Welcome to the Best Picture cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself. And revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can also hit us up on any of our social media accounts on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, or Letterboxd. We are at bestpicturecast. That's right, at Best Picture cast, and we're back again, romping and stomping in our prime, born in the North, and sworn to entertain. Here we are, it's Best Picture cast, of course, and we're back at it with the Best Picture winners here. We're headed back to the 50s, where we last left you with Ben-Hur, and we're dialing back a little bit to 56, and it's Around the World in 80 Days, and this is our summer blockbuster episode. We're do we got a big one for you here today. It's a two-part episode where we're not just tackling 1956's Around the World in 80 Days. We're also going to tackle Back to the Future, a summer blockbuster from the mid-80s. And I have with me two gentlemen who have been here since the very start. And we'll start with Joey R. Joey, how you doing today? Oh, super excited to not talk about the Jackie Chan around the world in 80 days. <laughs> That's right. It's not the remake Ooh. from the 90s here. We got uh, we got the OG. We also have with us Chris G. Chris, how you doing today? How you doing? Uh, I did think we were doing the Jackie Chan version, so that's what I watched. <laughs> that's right. We're all about balance at the BPC. Yeah, so this is, as I said, our summer blockbuster episode. Of course, it's uh, mid-September while we're, <laughs> while we're doing this. We had a couple delays and setbacks. We were supposed to record this last week, and we had a little storm up here in the Northeast, so we had to push it back. Lots, but... of, lots of water. We were a little... Uh... Yeah, but we needed a water. We needed a hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> hot air balloon would have would have helped a little bit. But uh, we're we're going to do this here today. And and last summer we did our Shaws and Jaws episode. That's kind of what inspired this one. We basically paired a Best Picture winner with uh, another summer blockbuster that we wanted to talk about. And Chris Jaws is your favorite movie, and you were here for that one. Yep, in this room. In my yes, house. in the same Chris G Studios that we're here with this one. I've actually added some Jaws uh, paraphernalia since then. I got the Time magazine over there. Uh, so I was looking at that before. Yeah. That's awesome. I figured I had, I had to pick that up. Anything I see with Jaws on it, I got to grab. So Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Brendan B was here with us for that as well. And uh, he, he was supposed to be here today, but could, couldn't end up making it. So it's just going to be the three of us riding strong here. And we're going to be pairing these two movies together. We're going to do it in a two-part episode. So this episode you listen to here will be, will be on the... Around the World in 80 Days Best Picture winner. And then uh, for our next release, you'll you'll be able to hear that Back to the Future portion. So uh, before we get into that, though, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Back to the Future. Because, I mean, the, the reason you, you two guys were invited for this was because it's a movie you're both passionate about. And uh, Brendan B. was as, as well, if, if he would have been here. But uh, I just kind of want to talk to you guys a little bit. We'll do a little brief intro on Back to the Future before we... Uh, take a break from that and, and head over to Around the World in 80 Days. Joey, I'm, I'm going to start with you because your top 10 has aired uh, as the date of this recording, and Back to the Future was on that top 10. Yeah, Back to the Future was number two. Number two on the uh, list, so yeah, uh, I mean, talk to us a little bit about uh, your 
yeah, your, your um, origins here with Back to the Future. As upset as I was to have to cancel last week, I was most excited for another excuse to watch the three Back to the Future movies again. <laughs> um, I didn't need to watch them all these times, but they're fantastic. I've been watching them forever. I don't remember a time when they were not a part of my life. I have a stupid... Back to the Future Yahtzee game. As much as Chris has Jaws stuff, I have nonsensical Back to the Future stuff all over my house. That's great. Yeah, and it's it's wearing be... a Back to the Future shirt. Oh, there, nice. And yeah. there you go. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. I know when we did Jaws last summer. Grant had his Jaws shirt on, <laughs> so uh, you're you're keeping the, the tradition alive there. Chris, how about you? What, what are your earliest memories of, of Back to the Future? I mean, I was five when it came out, so I didn't see that one in the theater, but I definitely saw the sequels, for sure, in the theater. I, re- I remember it with my dad. I've seen it, like, a thousand times. I was just, you know, I watched it again just for this, and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't believe I've seen this movie so many times. It's still, <laughs> and I still love it. It's, yeah. it's, it really holds up well, mm-hmm. you know? It doesn't feel dated to me, even though it. Ve- I mean, it very much is set in the eighties. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Well, a lot of it is a period piece too, so that helps it. Right, but, uh, it's dated purposely so that it doesn't feel old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mar- Marty's outfit is a little rough, but other than that, it, it really holds up well. It doesn't feel at all. Like an 80s movie. It's so rewatchable. It fits and it just holds together. Yeah, and as rough as Marty's outfit is, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now that's the new fashion. Oh, so. yeah, we got, we, we got <laughs> mullets making a comeback. So that's right, else. that's exactly um, right. Mullets um, make a comeback. Those giant vests are right here with that's us. That's right. Yeah, and man, for me, uh, I mean, you talk about its rewatchability, Chris, but for me, like, that was like the original rewatchable movie when I was right. little like it was the one I just remember it being on all the time I can distinctly remember I, I couldn't even tell you how old I was but I distinctly remember seeing it for the first time and the scene seeing for the first time which is Marty holding on to the back of the yeah. car and Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> telling us that you don't need a credit card to ride the train <laughs> and my mouth was just agape saying what is this I will be referencing the skateboarding <laughs> stuff in my nitpicks that's uh, right we uh, have... as I am a uh, pretty uh accomplished skateboarder yes i have major issues with the skateboarding in this that movie but that, uh, that's great and i'm looking forward to deep diving that whole thing with you guys it's going to be a lot of fun and we are going to, to section all our nitpicks together for this one i know like for the <laughs> halloween and the christmas episode it was just it would, we were just banging nitpicks throughout the whole episode for here we're going to organize them it's going to it's going to have no nitpicks yes it's just going to be basically <laughs> joey getting mad at us but i, that's, have, that's I have nitpicks however they don't affect how much i love the movie <laughs> yes 100 you know? percent. i hear you yes yeah, so uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that will be coming your way in uh, in just a week or so's time, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But we have to talk about the Best Picture winner we're discussing today first, and this is the Around the World in 80 Days portion of our Around the World and Back to the Future in 80 Days, which is what the episode will be called. Love it. So guys, I want to start by asking you this. Around the world in 80 days, this is an entity, whether it was the Jules Verne story or the the Jackie Chan movie or this one, what did you know about Around the World in 80 days as a story coming to this? I'll start with you, Chris. I mean, very little other than the basic premise. I I didn't know much. And I knew Jules Verne wrote it. I mean, those are the two things I knew. I'd never seen it. I'd never read the book. So I had no uh, favorite reference, really. Yeah, I'm pretty much at the same point. Um, I knew Jules Verne. The only kind of image I had in my head was the hot air balloon. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah, that's right. I knew nothing. I didn't know. I knew that a guy went around the world and ate, I didn't know there was a wager involved. Yeah. I, it was literally me either. I just I just had the picture of the hot air yeah, balloon. Me too. Same Jules exactly. Verne. Nothing else. That's right. And yeah. I've never seen the Jackie Chan one. 
Okay, so interesting. That was I'm really thing. proud of that. Fact. Me too. <laughs> I've seen a lot of crap. That is not one of them. I read the synopsis. It sounds awful. <laughs> is Jackie Chan? Is does he play the? Uh, 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 part I think two? he plays press part two. Yeah. That's what I was gonna. But he's, ask, he, yeah. he like robs the guy. Who and, is like, the lies. who is the lead, the main guy in this? In I that don't one, know. Do right, know? he wouldn't be the lead. He's the lead in that movie, as far as I can tell. Yeah, but he, they change it. He like robs from the Phileas Fogg guy and like gets caught and is like, "Oh no, I'm your new manservant." Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. I only read about it, so I might be missing yeah, okay. some serious gotcha. points, but it did not sound good. That so makes a little more, actually a little more sense than the original movie because I'm like, why is this? Why is this guy his servant all the, like, it, I don't know, that was a little strange to me, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, and you guys mentioned mentioned the Jules Verne portion of it, and that's how we kind of tied this movie with Back to the Future, and I think like we did with Shaws and Jaws, after doing it, you find there's more connections than you thought there would be originally if we talk about just like mm-hmm. the clocks everywhere, everywhere. In, both, yeah, in both movies, right. mm-hmm. just the general yeah, the, travel. Yeah, the time, like, yeah, that's yep. a very important aspect of both right. movies. Yep. Just pressed for time, yeah. always having to hit and what it matters. Because I, I especially thought about it when they got to China in two days short. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, because now that matters at the end. Like, they're always thinking about how much time matters, no matter, you know. Yeah, um, also just, you know, both, both movies really being a ticking clock in themselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just both kind of shorter, diminutive sidekicks being pressed into journeys after they were just going about their regular day. Right. It's like, oh, get the stuff, we're going around the world, oh, get in the time machine, we're going to do this whole <laughs> thing for the next five days or however long <laughs> the trilogy goes. And they're both Jules Verne properties, quote-unquote, in the sense, right. I mean, Jules Verne wrote The Time Machine, but it was an inspiration for Doc Brown, Right. and we learned that more in the third one there, too. We names names kids, kids, Jules, Jules and, Verne. and Verne. There you go, and there's, there's more references to it. The third one is heavy in the Jules Verne. They, they just, they lay it all out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the love interest, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for me, and and this one, um, I want to say I probably saw this movie for the first time about 10 years ago. Eh, I didn't necessarily take to it that well back then, but I, I remember reading about the whole cameo portion of it and Michael Todd and, and getting uh, all these people to do this and whatnot and was kind of intrigued by that. So coming into it this time, I remembered very, very little about the movie. So it was okay. kind of in many ways felt like a first watch. Um, as as I was going, of course, there's some things that, that stood out a little bit. It was an interesting experience for sure this time around. And I, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. Before we do so, let's talk about what we're drinking here today. Joey, why don't you lead us off? I guess I'm a creature of habit. I'm here with the Montauk Eastern Haze India Pale Ale. It's that mustard yellow can. I've had it a few times before. Other people have too. It's a nice, delicious beer. Yeah, that's their newer, uh, yep. their newer brand. Mont- Montauk there. never... Never doesn't make an appearance on this on this cast. So uh, no, right. no, they're here. And and Chris, this is your first uh, episode here of season three. I think it's been a little summer break for you here. You were running around crazy all summer. Yeah, so. yeah. I got a I got a kid in kindergarten now, so uh, <laughs> it, it got a little chaotic for me. That's right. And uh, yeah, I think we last heard you on the rankings episode, which uh, was a great episode, and I think our most downloaded episode of the year too. So and in that episode, we talked about our Back to the Future. Uh, recasts a little bit. So the last time we were here, we were we, it was Back to the Future plenty as well. So what do you have drinking here today? I went with another um, Long Island brewery, uh, Great South Bay, which is not one that makes a, big, a lot of appearances. Not uh, enough here, but uh, it's a really popular brewery here. And I'm doing the Watermelon Session IPA, uh, and it's actually really good. I don't like watermelons particularly, but uh, I'm a big fan some, of that one. Put some alcohol in it, and I'll. Uh, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> sure. Alcohol and some hops, and I'm in. So. There you go. Yeah, that one's not too uh, over the top with the watermelon. I think it's a, that's a real good one. Um, I uh, went actually to your home state, yeah. Chris, or your your state of origin at least. Yes. 
And uh, since we're up in the clouds here with uh, with our, our hot air balloon, and even with our DeLorean as uh, as Doc Brown's able to advance it a bit, uh, I do the I did the cloud sourced hazy juicy IPA from the Two Roads Brewery, and the Two Roads Brewery, as I said, is in Connecticut. Um, and the tagline for this beer is "Get Lost in the Clouds." So that Love seemed nice. perfect for a nice little trip in a hot air balloon. Thank you for uh, for reminding everybody that I'm from Connecticut because that's usually Artie's job, but uh, he's not here today. That, so. That's right. When Artie's you try to... texting me right now, being like, "Make sure you say Chris is old." <laughs> yeah, right. 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 An old it. an old man from Connecticut. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And listeners, Chris is about two years older than us too. So yeah. I think, uh, right. And I, I feel like I look younger than Artie does, so uh, <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> That's right. That's why he keeps bringing it up. <laughs> How was this feeling for you here? We'll, we'll start with you, Chris. Long. It was long. This is a lengthy movie here. And, and uh, anybody who's heard me on these before knows that how much I love three-hour movies. <laughs> um, I, I did actually enjoy it. Uh, a lot of it drags. Oh, there's, there's. I could have, I could have cut easily forty minutes out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy the the things that moved. I enjoyed. Yep. Uh, Joe, how about you? Uh, yeah, I've. I've I'm on record saying I don't mind a movie being as long as it needs to be if, if it serves a point to be that long, and this movie does not need to be this long. I have pretty major gripes with the editing team, yeah. but on the other end of the spectrum, I had a great time with a lot of it. Like I thought it was funny, I thought the camera work was excellent, and honestly, I thought it did a really good job of treating each locale like a different place and kind of highlighting that location without being what I thought it was going to be with 1956 kind of... Going around the world, I, I was like, oh, no, this is going to have some tough stuff. But I thought it did a good job of, like, oh, this is the customs of this place. This And while, you know, there's not it's not the deepest thing I've ever seen, like, I, I had fun. I laughed. It, you know, it's funny. There's, there is movies. Listen, I don't like long movies generally, but there are movies. I mean, The Godfather is, is how long. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's hard to find a place that, to cut. Right. Right? You know, I you know I bring it up all the time to you guys. I love the movie Zodiac, the David Fisher yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Three-hour movie. But it's hard, you'd be hard pressed to cut anything from here. It's super easy to find yeah. several places to cut. Oh you, yeah, you could oh, make yeah. Spain fifteen minutes shorter. Yeah, the bullfight alone right. should, could be five minutes shorter. You the, know, the flamingo and the and the bullfighting. Yeah, just both. It doesn't need to be as long as it is, and that's what I don't like with a long movie when it, it's unnecessarily yes. long. This was way is. longer than it needed to be. Yeah, and we'll get to Lawrence of Arabia, which is almost four hours, and and that movie is a movie where. I don't see a whole lot that can be cut. So but you know, that's one of those ones I, I talk about. I'm okay with the length of Lawrence yeah. of Arabia because everything it does serves a purpose. What this guy Cantafilis learning how to bullfight or having the background in bullfighting, needing to see that for 18 minutes, doesn't need to happen. I, I think also we'll talk a little bit about when we get into this the the origin of of this movie as far as why this project was conceived and what it was meant to be, what it was at that time. And I think that'll answer some of the questions as to why it was made this long. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about how well that you – know, we say we say all the time, like how well something ages or not. But literally is – I think anytime you make something for a specific time, right. you run the risk of it not being that watchable 50 years later or, or, or 60, right. 60 years, 60 plus years later. Imagine this movie pops up on TV. It's, what, three hours and six minutes, I think? Now imagine you adding commercials – now you're looking at four hours, and I can't imagine people would watch that, which is probably why it's well, never I can't been. That's why nobody talks about it. Yeah, right. I, I, hear about I, it. I can't imagine people would air it that way. Right, but that's what I'm saying. No, it's yeah. you, that's why I think you know none of us, we're three people who have seen a lot of movies having no relationship with this movie besides now, I think is very telling. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're getting into it already, so we might as well uh, start the deep dive. Do we uh, have anything to say before we get in the uh, the submarine? I think a submarine is probably the one form of transportation they didn't use here. I know. So I would actually There was no this. submerging in this. Well, show. I don't think there was a submarine. It was in Victorian England. In the 1800s? Oh, oh, it's This is Victorian England. It's 1872, right? Submarines are probably in the 20s or 30s. Probably 20s or 30s, yeah. I think 20s. Yeah, when does 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea take place? I thought that might be around that time. Ah, we'll do we'll do all this on the fly here. As, that's, that's, <laughs> as, as we usually normal. do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would be a good question to look up, you know. Like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, Wait, hold is, on. No, I know that off the top of my head real quick. This is how this stuff works. Real quick. 1869. The submarine was invented in the 1700s, oh, by the way. Oh, okay. Didn't yeah, know that. The earliest versions of it. Yeah, oh, and wow. the, earliest, uh, the earliest prototype. How would it have been powered? Uh, coal? Hey, man. How do coal? Google you, on the spot over here. The earliest prototype type was drawn up around 1578 so they were they were trying to get under that water real real early i assume it was the chinese base was the first ones because they had the black powder first so could probably do it without killing everyone with the coal yeah not sure we have a lot to cover here though so let's let's, not get into that oh this is the tangent we need let's do our deep dive (laughs) let's do our uh our submerging here let's go marty mcfly got in his delorean and went back to 1955 we're gonna get in ours and go back to 1956 and in 1956 the u.s presidential election was the 43rd election and it saw dwight d eisenhower alongside running mate richard nixon defeat Adelaide Stevenson handedly 41 states to seven in a rematch of the previous election. It's interesting that the seven states that Stevenson, the Democratic candidate from Illinois, carried were all southern states. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, and Mississippi from a Democrat were the only states he won. Interesting stuff. The last election where Massachusetts and Minnesota were red states and the last election before the admissions of Alaska and Hawaii into the Electoral College. In the 1956 World Series, the New York Yankees defeated the defending champion Brooklyn Dodgers in seven games in a star-studded New York World Series. The Yankees were managed by Hall of Famer Casey Stengel. The World Series included such legendary Hall of Famers as Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, Mickey Mantle, Eno Slaughter, Roy Campanella, Don Drysdale, Pee Wee Reese... Sandy Koufax, Duke Snyder, and Jackie Robinson. So definitely a, a lot of heavy hitters there in that one. The 1956 World Series is most famous for the series MVPs. Don Larson's perfect game, the only perfect game in postseason history. An interesting anecdote about the Don Larson perfect game. So my great uncle at the time was a, um, was a, a, a beat cop in New York City. Uh, around that time is just you know kind of like a like a street cop work, mm-hmm. working around and he gets a call before that uh the the night before that that world series game he gets a call that you know if the yankees are downtown and they're partying a little hard and you gotta you know gotta go in there and just getting a little rowdy and he has to go in there and don larson is in the bar all tossed up you know wow. basically has to be escorted out of the bar by my uncle hmm. and put in the back of the cab and driven around the block a little bit to wake up because he was passing out and and just just done this at three in the morning or so. Right, that's crazy. And they got a game the next day. Drives him around a little bit, t- chats it up with him. It wasn't like a like a like a police officer removing someone just to get you know, him forcefully. No, right. it was just like, a, hey, Don, I think you've had enough. Let's right. go. You got a big game tomorrow. You know, Let's wake Yankees, you up a little bit. Yeah, the Yankees right. uh, kind of need you tomorrow here, buddy. Um, puts him in the in in the car. Drives around with a little bit. He gets him, brings him back to the the hotel room. It's a one p.m. start the next day. He oh. pitch, he pitches the only perfect game in World Series history. Wow. <laughs> 
Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and that is, and you know, my uncle was not one to tell stories. He was, he was a matter of fact guy. So that's a, that's a true story. Wow. That's awesome. A crazy story. Very, very Wade Boggs esque. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were different breeds back then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 1956, the number one song is one that we all know for a change here, and it's "Heartbreak Hotel" by the great Elvis Presley. Um, probably one of my favorite Elvis songs. He's got a bunch of good ones, but I always, uh, always like that one, "Heartbreak Hotel." Uh, Elvis had several other top hits in 1956, including the number two song of the year. So he had the one song and the two song of the year, and that was uh, Don't Be Cruel. Uh, other number one hits he had that year were uh, I Want You, I Need You, I Love You, Love Me Tender, and uh, a personal favorite when I was a little kid, Hound Dog. Oh, yeah, big year. Big year for Elvis. Yeah, wow. Also a, a hit of, uh, that year, which is a great song, is The Great Pretender by The Platters. Love that tune. The Best Picture winner of 1956 was Around the World in 80 Days. It was produced by Michael Todd. It was directed by Michael Anderson. It was adapted screenplay by James Poe, John Farrow, S.J. Perlman, and it's based on the classic Jules Verne novel of the same name. Music was by Victor Young. Cinematography was by Lionel Linden. We spoke about Lionel Linden last when we did Going My Way, Joey. Yeah. He's the cinematographer of that. Uh, film editing was by Howard Epstein and Gene Ruggiero. The movie is starring David Niven, Kantenflas, Robert Newton, Shirley MacLaine, and a bevy of quote-unquote cameos. And we'll talk about cameos because it was a basically invented by producer Michael Todd. He invented the name for it and the concept of it. And those cameos include Frank Sinatra, Peter Lorre, Cesar Romero, Marlena Dietrich, Noel Coward, John Gilgood, Filet Curry, Trevor Howard, John Carradine, Red Skelton, Victor McClagan, Buster Keaton, and many, many more. And we'll get to uh, as many of those as we can here today. Around the world a lot that got denied. Like Gregory Peck was initially one. Yeah, yep. well, we'll talk Gregory Peck, of course. SLO, we, got, <laughs> SLO said no. Two, two, uh, two BPC uh, notables there in SLO yeah. and Gregory Peck, Sir, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Around the World Lady Day was, was nominated for eight Oscars. It was the winner of five, including Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, James Poe, John Farrow, S.J. Perlman, Best Cinematography, Color, Lionel Linden, Best Film Editing, and Best Score, Victor Young. That award was received posthumously, for those <laughs> at home like to criticize my pronunciations. It did not win Best Director, Michael Anderson, Best Art Set Direction, Color, Best Costume Design, Color. Whew, okay. Around the World in 80 Days. That Gentlemen. editing wing is tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was not a time editing award. You know, uh, Joey, I know you 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 led off with going after the the film editors there, and you know, I I think from a length standpoint, I can see some some issues there. I think probably that award there is directed to how much they had to include to make it to yeah. make it cohesive. It's all about the transitions. We're in Eng now we're in France, now we're in Spain, and each place without feeling jumpy or disorienting. And I, I guess that that's what it is, yeah. but the length, I think, is so unnecessary that yeah, it takes I, away. I don't think the length is necessarily the editor's full uh, responsibility. Agreed. You know? yeah. that's, that's the the vision of the director uh, as And well, the producer, yeah, the Michael Todd, yeah. I think, was, right. had, had his grasp on everything, too. And I think the other big part about the editing, too, why it's getting over there, too, is... How many scenes were done in on Hollywood lots mixed with authentic filming? Because there was a ton of both that they had to yeah. intertwine. It's actually really there. impressive when you read about it because I think they did this whole thing in seventy four days on 
just an absurd amount of sets that to make it something that actually flowed. Yeah, it was shot on uh, 140 different locations, including England, Spain, Hong Kong, Japan, and U.S. Um, just a massive project. A, a good portion of it were filmed on Hollywood lots, right. though, as far as like the the interactions between the characters and whatnot. And you can you can kind of notice the the shots that are authentic to the spot. And then when we go back to 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 the sets and to the uh, the costuming and, and all that, there mm -hmm. absolutely. I did think the set directors did a really good job, though, because they they, they made a functional world. Yeah, and I know we, you know, they didn't win. It's, it was nominated, it didn't win. And the other one is um, costume design. I mean, it was uh, considered to be the biggest costume design in the right. history of film at the time. I mean, I, I'm surprised costume design didn't win because you know, I don't. Again, you're going to all these different places. You have to, you have to do Spain. You have to do China. You have it, to do Japan. It you felt have to do fairly, fairly accurate. Yeah, for a, a movie of that time, like they did a really, a pretty Great good job. job yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I want to say, I mean, I'm, off the top of my head, I want to say that probably went to Ten Commandments, those two awards, because that was another very, very big project that probably had massive set designs and and whatnot there too. We'll look it up in a second, but certainly the movie put a lot into into how it looked, and they were using a lots of new camera angles and, and stuff too. And notice, noticeable, yeah. You know, I mean, especially like uh, right away the, the hot air balloon. At the take, which is you know one of my favorite scenes in the movie, the hot, hot air balloon takes off. The camera angles are using; they're kind of filming back through the trees. They're filming up. They're making it seem you know you're making you feel as if these guys are really, really taken off. And and the uh, just the cinematography they use while they're in the air, mm -hmm. it, it it looks really good. It, it's a very well made movie visually. Absolutely, and even you know because they were able to go so big, but then even the camera shots when. You know, they were behind Passaporte when he was riding his bike. They were when they were in India. They were behind them when they were on the elephant. So now they were able to go big, but they were also go every go very small. And I think that's impressive to be able to do both yeah. seamlessly. They also make you feel like you're in on the trip with them in a lot of yep. uh, yeah. uh, areas. The, yeah. the cinematography, I think, was top notch. Yeah, I'm no camera expert, so I'm sure that there you know there are people who know more about this than me and they can rattle off the names of the of the, of, of what they used and yeah. what and whatnot but i mean it, it was a wide frame it was shot in wide mm -hmm. frame and, and like a panorama style yeah, deal right. and you could you see that first it feels when, big yeah yes. when, when you see uh uh passport two coming in on on that that big bike mm -hmm. with the wheel it's called a uh, a yeah. penny farthing is the name of the bike there great great scene and i love that the, the dude you would definitely kill yourself trying to ride that thing. <laughs> Seriously, it, that, that thing's up real high. He was obviously a talented. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, he was a very athletic actor. He could do a yes. lot, you know, with the, the bullfighting and the bike and like just climbing around the balloon. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely uh, the, the right choice for that. Great, great British road rage going on there too. To get the confounded contraption <laughs> out of my way. Yeah, so, I thought he did a great job of uh, not being in anybody's way. Right. Yeah. Honest. like I, I mean, he, he should have been killed several times. Yes, you know? yes. Um, that now, uh, press part two here was was played by Contemplas, and uh, Contemplas was uh, at the time the wealthiest actor in the world. Yeah. Unbelievable, yeah, super the, famous Mexican actor. Right? Yeah, considered the uh, the Mexican Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And uh, a big comedic, uh, physical actor, you know, really fun. Yeah. Definitely, my him. He was my favorite part of the movie. I mean, he's he's where the, the most of the comedic action comes from. Mm -hmm. I, I th he's a little bit of a sexual predator, it seems like, but uh, <laughs> slight <laughs> can't hold his opium. Uh, he whatsoever. really has a hard time staying away from the ladies. You know? <laughs> yeah. it, it gets him into a lot of trouble. But that's why he's on the run. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I feel like uh, he, he would not be a great 
person to have in 2021. It'd be a problem. <laughs> he was hysterical. I mean, even when he took the ice off, when they were in the first balloon ride, when he took the ice off the top of the mountain for the champagne bucket, like, I, I was hysterically laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, was, he was, he was the person that I, when he was on screen, that's who I wanted to watch. Yep, you know, 100%. The entire time. Yeah, now the, uh, the lip sync police are going to be on heavy duty and heavy patrol here for these two episodes. And his, he is, um, he's dubbed over in this. The entire and movie, the entire really, movie, which I I found incredibly per- impressive By because um, no, so there's a, another voice that does him, but they oh. sunk the lip syncing up really, really perfectly. I didn't perfectly. notice. I didn't yeah, because he's this is the first English language movie he's ever done. So he English oh. is he barely speaks English, so he did, he did enough he did enough to learn the lines, but I don't think that um, that phonetically that right. they they, it they were it, it didn't come through. Yeah, there's probably a heavy accent and, and wow, so that's surprising. To me, also, really, really impressive job by yeah. the entire okay, production so who, team. Okay, who did it? That, that I that I don't that I don't okay. have. Unfortunately, is that but, editing? Was is that he, sound editing? Was he a Mexican person or was he? Because if he if he's an American person doing that accent, that's that's problematic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm. We're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna we have we have enough of those problematic things to discuss. This movie goes. We're just gonna hope that that's right. that, that's in check. Let's hope but, they uh, got he, in the in the Spanish language version of this. He does, he does himself. He okay. does his own lines in that one because they wow. they uh, recorded in, in a couple impressive. different languages. That's but awesome. It looks, I mean, you can't tell. I yeah, never no, noticed so that. The lip sync police give a give a clean pass for him yeah. on that. Wow, I, the, for 1956, I mean, for any time they did a great job. I never didn't see that at all. It's surprising to me that like did did they not? I guess he was so famous that they, he didn't he didn't have to audition. Well, okay, he was he was sought out specifically right. by Michael Todd. So this is Michael Todd. This was his vision. This right. was he he was um, considered a a real bombastic wild man in the, in Hollywood. He had a vision for what he wanted to do. He was not an industry guy. He was his own thing. You know, and and he was a big party guy, big, and he goes, "We're gonna make this 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 huge project here, and we're gonna do it in this tiny budget." Or no, it wasn't that tiny of a budget, but it was a fixed budget because right. he's funding it with his own, own money essentially. And he just says, "You know what? I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna get a million favors from all these different people, and I'll I'll convince Frank Sinatra to do this. Just oh, Frank, just gotta sit there, play piano, just turn, smile at the camera. Just can you do a favor of this, and then just curry all these favors to have all these these people do these little parts." And he goes, we'll call them cameos, you know, and so he basically invented the idea of a cameo through the project and was able to fit this, uh, this movie in, in, I believe a a $6 million budget, I have it down as. Which is gigantic for 1956, though. And they ended up, because the part of Passaparte in the book is super small, so they really hyped it up because they got Kenton Floss in there. They they can barely make an indie movie for $6 million. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a $6 million movie that made $25 million domestically and $100 million worldwide. Wow. So it was a huge movie. Yeah, cashed in big time. Yeah, so Michael Todd had picked Kenton Floss out and said, we have to have him for this role. He flew down to Mexico himself to convince him to do it. Contaflas has never been in an English language movie before. He, he was hesitant about it, didn't want to do it at first. Michael Todd sold him on it, got him in the mix. So he was the guy that they wanted for what, that. Role was his the physicality start. known? Yes, like, that was what he was the, the Mexican was, Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. He was so that was yeah, one of the things. That I mean, was he was a he was a physical. Comedian, I think that's yes. a really important part of the movie. Without right. that, it yeah. doesn't work. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. agree. It's this is dry without him, and the stuff he does is super, just very entertaining. He's a really comedic. Uh, he right. has a, he's a really uh, uh, good comedic presence. Like right. I mean, he he is. Without that, the movie is a, a snooze fest. I mean, yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm sure we're gonna go into with this one some of the unfortunate castings as far as putting some some. 
white actors and yeah. actresses in tough spots as we did in Ben Hur. It seems like yeah. these things always tend I to think cluster, some, you know. There's the, some skin. <laughs> there's some skin adjusting. Yeah, that's not great. So here we are. That tries to lighten up. <laughs> another week at Best Picture Cast dealing with this. I will throw out there on the flip end is that this character in the book was a French character. Yes. So we're now we're we're turning that into a person of color, right? Right. In the movie, so that's that's kind of nice. I mean, it's not great. He's a manservant, but yeah. <laughs> but here we are, another week with servants too. Listen, let's, Sir, let's... Sir Lawrence Olivier was almost his previous servant instead of some stranger complaining in the work department. So right, and he, he was running and, from and, the ladies, and he's he and he's a, a voluntary right thing. He's he went in there, and he chose to do yeah, it. Well, he's probably okay, getting paid. This is a good yeah, time. This is a good time to talk about why I thought that was weird. Um, He's clearly a, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> they show it right away. He, he comes in late. He's making a big scene. He calls it a big scene. He's late because he was chasing some some random lady around harassing right. her on a bike. You know, like, <laughs> comes in, makes a big noise. Everybody's looking at him. And so they give it, they they give him to the, or they, they I guess, what's the word? Assign they, him they to. assign him to. I, I looked at it as like a most typical right. wealthy man in the, in the city. Who's like, super punctual. Super. Right. It's the exact opposite person that you would think you would want to have for this guy. Yeah, I looked, but that, I guess nobody else wanted the, it. The rest of them, everyone else sitting in that line knew him. And the one guy talking, yeah. complaining about how impossible he was, they're all hearing that. And he was always like, I don't care. I need to just get away okay. from whatever. So throw me in there. Yeah, both of our diminutive uh, sidekicks in, in, in these two movies have... Have major issues with uh, punctuality, mm-hmm. whether it's Marty McFly or uh, or Press Part Two here. But <clears throat> I want to I want to talk to we, we didn't talk about the beginning of the movie. What did you guys think of the how the movie starts, starting hot with the uh, the narrator and I thought and was, the uh, trip to the moon. So I thought that was cool, and it also gave me context for the Smashing Pumpkins video. That's exactly yes, right. Oh my yeah. god, yep. Joey, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. So I'm watching, and I'm watching. I was like. And I was like, this is why this is three hours and ten minutes. So I didn't give it the initial... Me, me too. I had the so same I was kind of annoyed. But then I'm watching. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I'm like, oh, this is interesting how they're doing this. So I'm like, it's the Smashing Pumpkins! Yeah. So I paused it, watched the video, yep. and then I came back. I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's where they're, that's, they're paying homage to this, yeah. I think, and, I would assume. And I yeah. ended up, that, that was like six minutes, and I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, Trip to the Moon is one of the earliest known movies, movies. that they're yeah. around there. It's yeah. from 1902. Uh, George Malays, and if you've seen Hugo, yes. that's what the Ben Kingsley character is. I didn't know that on. either. Yeah. I figured yeah. that yeah. out. It's yeah. funny, it's cut, now, that it's in my, now that it's in my consciousness, it's actually come up. I've seen yeah. it a few times. Uh, what is it called? Uh, yeah, a Trip to the Moon. Trip to the yeah. Moon. Yeah. I've seen it. I'm like, oh, now I like now I am right. aware of it. I had no idea what it was yeah, before. Even the style of the rocket, it's all like now like the steampunk everything is stealing yeah. all those visuals yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah. And that is the movie in its entirety. There's no sound to it. It's just like piano right. playing over it. You can you can check it out on YouTube too if you just Google Trip to the Moon. You can see it in its entirety. And it's funny because uh, we talked a little bit in, with uh, Adam St. John's with us last week, the uh, the book of a thousand and one movies you must see before you die. If you watch Around the World in 80 Days, you will have seen Trip to the Moon one well. of the yeah. a thousand and one movies you must see oh, before you die. There? And it's not Around the World in 80 Days. It's okay. a trip to the, yeah. <laughs> it's a trip to the moon. That's the entire yeah. film. That's yeah. the film. Yeah, that's oh, the film. So you've now seen that and film. I actually right. really appreciate that because it was cool. It, like it was, I, I really enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Once I gave it a chance, I, I did have to go back because... When it started, I was like, you mother 
fuckers. <laughs> you don't think I was saying exactly the same yeah. thing? I'm like, son of a bitch. It what needs is some this? context. Uh, yeah, it yeah. needs some context. But I, I expanding the screen into yeah. the to the missile launch, which was an authentic missile launch that they were allowed yeah. to. They got yeah. they got um, a pass to film at. And then going up the, I, I dug the whole beginning of this movie. I want, I'm sure when I saw it 10 years ago, I did not. I was probably just saying, what the hell is going on here? Um, I appreciate Now, it's it important, deal. too, to understand with this, with this project in 1956 that Michael Todd really wanted this presentation to go a certain way. And he insisted that this movie be showed like a Broadway play. It's not, he didn't want this to be a regular movie. He told the directors, do not film this like a movie. This has to be a production. This, is, this has to be right. its own seats, thing. Seats, playbills. Yep. They all had playbills. They were all in seats. Yeah, I read that. And that started hot there with that. And then it's expanded into the whole screen. There was a true intermission. They right. all went to the lobby. When they play that Entracht, that's when they're getting back into the seats and the lights are dimming and they're getting settled in. You know, we're sitting in our living room. It's like, what is going on right now? I know Grant Z is flipping tables over in his house. He has zero patience for the intermission or the... Uh, I love it. I, once again, I am pro-intermission. I have said that many times. Yeah, I'm, I am I too. love the intermission. Like, it's just it's just nice because they're telling you when to break. You don't have to... Because I don't like pausing movies. Like, I want to watch a movie through whether how long it is. Like, I want it to be seen the way it is. So given the intermission is them telling me like okay now it's cool now breathe a little bit and I love it so much getting into the getting into the the, the, the narrative here too and we're gonna I guess how we're gonna go with this is we'll just bounce around from location to location but I want to talk about it in, in the beginning here with the um with the uh, the uh, the crew of gentlemen here yeah the club right this is the, uh, the reform club. club right the gentlemen's the reform, reform club. club yes yes. And uh, a, a couple notable characters there in the beginning here. We're not going to go through every single cameo in this movie because... Christ, no, and, and And uh, in talking about the production that Michael Todd put together and how it was such an impressive sight for the people to see there, mm-hmm. the, I think the around-the-world theme was like a Billboard hit. I think really? It went, I think it went as high as like as 9 or 10 on the Billboard charts. It's another instrumental hit. We talked right. about that a little bit with... And to be completely honest, our, the music um, didn't with, stick with me. Oh, we talked about it in 12... Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah as you're saying, Joey, the, the music didn't... Didn't, didn't stick did, with me didn't at really all. stick with me either. I mean, the score... No. Yeah, no, but it was a thing back It was then, fine. So. I'm not saying it was bad, but like... I can't tell you what the around the world theme that Billboard chart. I couldn't if you played it right now. I don't know that it would kick yeah, any. It, it would, but, it would but guess it what would back in time. Back in yeah. time, <laughs> you power know. of love, right? Power yeah. of love, bang. Chariots of fire yeah. hits like a hits like a fucking. Well, that was a Billboard number one. Right there, yeah. you go. Power that one, there was no doubt. Okay. About hey, back in time is a good song too. But Chariots of Fire, bad movie. That song all time stuck or, with it. Rockies and it was another big hit with with the instrumental right. there so, too. So, um, it, along with those major productions of 1956, all the things that wowed all the people of 1956, and probably the Academy when it shows this as the, as the winner, does it translate today? And that's one of the discussions we'll talk about. The cameos are another one. They're huge. I'm sure in 1956, when each of these people came on screen, they're going, oh, oh, it's him. It's a Chris, were you uh, getting out of your seat when you saw... Um, <laughs> when you when you but saw like, uh, uh, Marlena no. Dietrich, you didn't you didn't okay. say Marlena Dietrich. There she no, is. Of course <laughs> I fucking didn't. Are you kidding me? What about Red Skelton as the drunk guy just eating? John Carradine. You didn't say that's Kill Bill's father. Couldn't fucking care less. <laughs> Do you like cameos now? Uh, like, when done, you... when done well, I, I like them. Yeah, um, I like Mar- Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie in a hot tub. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big, uh, big short. Big short. You know. My so my if I'm talking about cameos where I got a reaction out of me, where my my favorite and it would be in a theater setting would be Austin Powers three, 
Where Great one. In the beginning of the yep. movie, they have each, I think, um, Kevin Spacey plays Dr. Yep. Evil. That one's aged brilliantly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise is... Uh, he's is Tom Cruise Paris. Paris, yeah. okay. Mini-Me well, is, is um, Mini-Me's, uh, Danny DeVito, maybe? Winnie... What about Tom Cruise in uh, Tropic, Tropic, Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder's I mean, a good one. I mean, that's yeah. 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 People didn't know who that was. I mean, yeah. I think Matt Damon's an all-time cameo for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Euro Trip. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. good call. That's right. Good call. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then superhero movies. He was in Deadpool as just like a hillbilly, and then he play, He was a uh, Loki in uh, Thor Ragnarok, which I've talked about how you many times here. Uh, Jane Silent Bob movies too. That's right, the Jane Silent Bob. They're, they're, full, they're full of cameo. I mean, those yeah. movies are that. That's yeah. one big movie with yes. cameos. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it especially is. especially Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and then the newest yeah. one, the Re Strike Back or whatever it was. The, it's the, the only reason movie. the only reason those movies are actually any good is because the cameos. They're not good movies. The Goodwill Hunting thing, you know. Um, James Ryan Bob Strike Back is actually hysterical now that you bring it up. But Matt Damon just got and he, Matt Damon in um, Interstellar. He's probably yeah. a little bit long to be considered dramatic a role, though. Yeah, it's, he's 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 not. But he's he comes not out of coming in, in as Matt Damon, though. I right. think that like that that's yeah, if, yeah. if if the you, the actor's bigger than the part. Yeah, that's where I mean, Scotty doesn't know is it? Yeah, yeah, that, oh, that's, that's a classic. classic. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just hysterical. Yeah, and then you can have all the puppet cameos too in um, of, of Team America. <laughs> Matt <you know>? Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> That's right. Um, so uh, among some of those guys in that, that must have been wild to watch though. These they, like you see all these because like even like the carriage driver in France was someone big. Like everyone who had these like insignificant roles, and you're like, holy shit, these guys are huge. Yeah, people must have been going out like, of their must, minds in the theater. Yeah. Right. Like for us, it's like, oh, that's a cool. Yeah, thing. Especially it's, when it's not done before. Right. You know? Right. Right, and, and here it is 60 years later, and if you can't necessarily pick out, I mean, I'm sure like Zeta Short can pick out each, right. each one, but for, it, it's, it's, tough, it's tough for the average audience today yeah. to, to have it impact them the same way. I mean, they know who Frank Sinatra is, especially, but that's well, about it. Right. Like, also, Buster Keaton was good, but like, a lot of these, I was reading the thing, and I didn't know who they were. The, the other problem is there's a lot of people in this movie, so it's like, things can get lost in the shuffle really easily. It's a, it's a big, sprawling mm. movie with a lot of people in it. So yeah, I, I wasn't... Like, oh, you know, who, oh, there's that person. I was just, I was kind of sucked into the story, too. So I wasn't yeah. really paying attention to who's this and who's that. And they come at you rapid fire. And, and, and no there's way so many, there's just yeah. no way, you know. And it was hard to tell sometimes. So then, because I got into it, like, trying to figure out who everybody was, and it was just too much. Because they pulled, the other thing is, about what I think is super impressive, they pulled people from all over. This wasn't just, like, the guys making American action movies at the time or whatever. They pulled from all over the world. Yep, all genres, all countries. Yeah. They really did a, a nice job of the mix. So in, in that first crew there, just a couple, just notable to what we've been doing here, one of them is is Filet Curry. And the reason I bring him up is he was also in Ben-Hur, which was a movie. He now This is the guy with the big sideburns who yeah. was there yes. in the beginning and the end. He was in Ben-Hur, which is a movie we covered last week. But he's also in Quo, Quo Vadis. Quovity. And... Ivanhoe, and those oh, are the two yeah. movies that Joey, you and I yep. covered for the three hundred, <laughs> the three hundred Passions podcast. Is Zita Short? He's in both of those movies, and and I believe that episode's dropping this week. Yeah, it should so. be this week. Yeah, the week that we're recording this. Very yeah, so, just kind of a uh, just a coincidental thing. Trevor Howard's in the mix there in the beginning too. He plays uh, Captain Bly in the Brando version of Mutiny and the Bounty, and the other guy in there is John Goolgood, who was uh, an EGOT winner. He won an Emmy, a Grammy, a Tony, and an Oscar. He went all, all four wow. there, John Legend style. We basically start off with this casual bet here, and can we talk about the, the club itself? Though? Yeah, let's go with the club. What? What? It's a, it's a men's club. Yeah, it's a white no men's women. club. Yes. White, white British white men's, men's club. <laughs> no women ever has walked into no, the place. Right. The world ends if one if one happens. Apparently, we find out later yeah. on in the movie. Yeah. Certainly, the movie does. Yes. Uh, 
what are they looking for? Like, what do you have to do to get into this club? I would imagine they don't you have seem to, to know wealthy. anything about Phineas Fogg at all. They don't know what he does or what it. Where I, he gets I assume money. it's just what your bank account looks like, not it, how you've gotten it. Yeah, so I think you got to be wealthy and well dressed, yeah. and British. Those and white. And a man. <laughs> and a man. <laughs> that seems to be the. Uh, yeah. That seems to be the the standards. Okay, because I was trying to figure. I mean, like, is this like you know? There's because there's you know, different clubs for different groups of this people. This wasn't like a sporting club. It doesn't seem like they're right. that. Uh, just you have to be rich and white and right. male. That seems to be yeah. what yeah. credentials yeah. are. Your credentials are is a yeah, British country club in the 1800s. There, but but, but I think not, like the have the highest and they're not allowed class. to. They mostly don't want to talk to each other. No, it's, no. it's a very quiet class. And they even they even said they're like. What's going to happen now? We're going to talk to each other? Right. And they're yes. like blown yeah, away. No. I, I think it's for drinking and silence is what they're looking for in this club, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, li- I like how this massive journey starts from just them just shooting the shit about like current events. They're just like, oh, yeah, this uh, this guy went over there. Well, they can't get around. They can't get him that fast. I mean, well, no, I think they can. I'm like, nah, you know what? I can. Oh, n- no, you can't. Yeah, yeah, I can. Well, I'll bet you a million billion dollars you can. Well, right. you're on. And here we have uh, a movie. Do you have the breakdown of what the money is then to what it is now? I don't. I do I, somewhere. No. Joey's got to okay. have it. Joey yeah. always has it, yes. Just give me a few words. It's, it's a large sum of money. It's like, it would be like a million dollars. Yeah, that, I mean, that, it's those entire figures, fortune. It, it's, it is, yeah. It, well, it's half his fortune break. is the brand, the and then the other half is the trip. Right. So the bet he, is one, the yeah, trip the is... bet is one, one half. He doesn't seem too concerned about a budget on this trip, though, either. He's throwing money no, around like nobody's business. He's, he's buying boats and torching them as he's on them. He's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. he's buying balloons, buying elephants, buying elephants. whatever. Yeah, whatever he, can, whatever he can get. So, I mean, I think he's very confident he's going to win. So it's part of it, too. And if there's one major theme in this movie where we'll get to themes and all that, because I think it's not too deep in that. No. Um, <laughs> Gambling addiction, I think, is probably one major thing that we'll discuss. I mean, I thought it was more like you know, overcoming odds and stuff, yeah. but yeah, gambling is... is you should not be placing bets this large, and no. uh, you know there should be a fallback option here. Right, because it's 20,000 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that in breaks the 1800s, down... So in the 1800s, so it's got to be millions, right? Yeah, so I think it's like $18 million or yeah, something yeah. that he splits yeah. up, and then just takes that on the trip. I mean, he buys boats, breaks up the boats, so... So essentially, he had thirty-six million dollars split. Not to mention, he has to deal with the giant gas bill he's going to have when he gets back because uh, um, oh, he had to pass a part. Well, at your expense, pass part two. Yeah, which is probably <laughs> I well more home. than he's making uh, by being a servant for this guy. <laughs> yeah, but it. imagine just every dollar you have. All right, half is for you four if you win, and the other half we're just. Oh yeah, go. what what does uh um uh. Best but two. What is he? What is he getting out of this trip? He's just getting his normal salary. I mean, it seems like he should. Be yeah, yeah I mean, he didn't have a choice. He's just right. sitting there, and he's just like, he's like, oh, you're home early. You're not normally home at this time. He goes, oh yeah, I'm home, and uh, we're going around the world. Like, yeah. get a couple well, shirts and we're I would, I would ask for some, day one. Uh, some compensation, like extra, you know, bonus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, some stipends, some travel, yeah. travel yeah. money. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some like life insurance. Yeah, things could go horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, there was I no might, life insurance in Victorian England. <laughs> Someone might try to burn me at the stake or right. something. I mean, you know, he like, almost did get murdered. I mean, <laughs> that, they, that, changed, they changed his clothes for some reason before they murdered him, but imagine your first day of work thinking you're just going to like live at this guy's house and make him his oatmeal at 8.24 in the morning, but now what you have to do is go around the world in rapid I'd, time? I'd be asking some questions. I'm just saying. I, I'd probably ask a couple questions before well, I, I well, got I, I don't want to bleed into the Back to the Future stuff too soon. But I kind of feel the same way about Marty McFly here. He gets back from that exhausting journey from the 1950s. It was right in and the he's, got, he's got a new truck, and his, his whole deal, his life about is to, like pepped about up. To go, about to go bang his girlfriend yeah, at the lake. Up at the yeah. lake. We have to do something about your kids. Eh. 
You got a time machine. We have a That's time gonna wait. Also, that also not wait. pressing. Also, the gr- the girlfriend. Um, maybe asking. Wait, whoa, whoa. We're having kids. Like, I'm, yeah, like, I'm in high school. Like, yeah, right. What are you talking yeah. about? And like, I'm taller than you, and we're 17. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what sort of rush is going on here when you have a time machine? Right. You can go to that exact time at any like, point. I'm going to the lake Doc, with my girlfriend. Yeah, Doc. Unless you have more condoms, I can't see you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I, if I were the girlfriend, I'd be like, hey. uh... Listen, I'm not ready for any of this. Like, what are you? Yeah, that's why she never changes. Never time machine. Marriage, kids. Like, I'm yeah. in. A, I'm fucking high school here. You know. Yeah, right. let's let's go to the lake. I was, uh, I was at my lake. grandma's 2015, house. 2015. I don't think so. Um, and certainly not the old west after that. But but anyway, so a press, press part two is is pressed into action here. Yeah, let's just go to the let's talk about the, the hot air balloon here yeah. and let's let's get moving here we're gonna <laughs> we got a lot of we got a lot of continents to cover here so have either of you guys been in a hot air balloon or would you ever go in a hot air balloon no i haven't and yes i would you would okay yeah. i really want to um there's like a whole hot air balloon like thing in montana every year that i've always really wanted wow. to go to that i think looks really cool uh i never have though Wow. So, see, I don't, I'm not in love with 747s. So, the idea of being in a basket in the sky attached to a giant balloon is just not for me. I hear I'm you. sorry, it's not. And I'm certainly ain't going to be climbing up the rickets and the rackets no. to uh, adjust the, uh, what, oh, but it's not, get up there, press part That's two. That's definitely not, yeah. I would not be doing that. No. no but, uh, no. I balloon I'm okay with. Yeah, I mean, okay. I've done, I've done some stupid things, so that's what's probably, the, what's um, more, you know? What's, Chris, what's the longest trip you've been on? Uh, I guess. It would be Europe, a trip to Europe, seven, eight hours on a plane. You know? Did you do, did you like bounce um, around yeah. country, country yeah, didn't, Ireland, by train? Ireland, uh, uh, England, and France. Did you go by, did you use the trains over there uh, at all? I, we did flight to Ireland, then uh, flight to England, then a train to Paris, and then a flight home. Cool. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. yeah, how about you, John? And, and there was boats involved, too. You know, during the trip, there was right. boats. Right, because I guess you take a boat from England to... No, to no, 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 just, there was... I don't know what like we. I forget what sightseeing stuff. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We're on boats. Cool. We're on train. Yeah, we kind of used every every form of transportation. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, West Coast um, was the furthest. I've been to like different islands or whatever, but California. Arizona, yeah, California. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty long trip. It was six hours. I guess, yeah. So, so yeah. six hours is. For me, it would just be road trips. I mean, I've been to Arizona and Seattle right. um, by plane, but I've I've done a couple road trips like New York to. Florida, New York to right. North Carolina, New York to Chicago. Yeah. I drove by myself. New York to Chicago, no, uh, no stopping straight through. Was the one. Uh, I, did so, I, I did South Carolina once. It was like that was like a twelve-hour drive. Yeah, I, mean, I, I did Virginia once in ten hours, and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll play. Yeah, it's not fun. I don't, I don't, I do not like being in any transportation that long. So yeah, and I just, I mean, this past weekend, Labor Day weekend, I did. Um, I drove to New Hampshire, then New Hampshire to Bangor, Bangor to Portland, Maine, oh, and wow. uh, and then back here. Where so in New Hampshire? In the car, uh, Mount Washington. Oh, nice. Yeah, climbed like it four, up. It's, four hours, right? About? Um, no, that was a Five seven hours. hour drive. Seven hours? Yeah, yeah, seven hour drive to Mount Washington. Oh, I'm thinking Connecticut. Yeah, then yeah. another three hours to Portland. Yeah. I'm sorry, three hours to Bangor, mm-hmm. and then um, three hours to Portland, Maine, and then home was another five. So, Jesus. yeah, it was a lot of time in the car. We um, climbed. Uh, Mount Washington was one of the tougher mountains up there, so it was it was, it was an exhausting weekend. But yeah. um, but <laughs> that's was, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I I love road trips. I love um, going on that. You know, especially Portland, such a cool city. Being up there, I love New Hampshire. I love Portland. Yeah, it's a great and it's a great time of year to be. I lived in New Hampshire. Did you? I did. Oh, where? Wow. Plymouth, New Hampshire, uh, oh, for nice. a couple of years. I I, oh, I was wow. a snowboard instructor in, uh, in one of the mountains up there. Oh, so. nice. One of our yeah. friends lives in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It's one of my favorite places ever. Very yeah. cool. I, I yeah. it's not somewhere I'd want to live. It's very rural. <laughs> There's not yeah, much going on, I'm but uh, sure. 
Yeah, Maine was really the only state in the north, uh, the northeast, like the New England area, I had never been to. So it was cool to go there. Big, oh, you know, as if you've listened before, you know I'm a big Stephen King fan, so I got to yeah. do the uh, do the the dairy sightseeing awesome. and all that. You know, so very very cool stuff. Oh, so cool city. no hot air balloons though. I stayed out of the uh, <laughs> the hot air balloons here. Um, Chris, you, you said you, like that scene was one of the one of your top scenes. That was my favorite scene in the movie. Too. Yeah, it, it definitely. Well, listen, it's it's the most. Uh, here we go again. It's the most iconic it is, yeah. uh, scene in the movie because it's some, the, the one thing I recognize. But not only that, I just really like how it was shot. They did it in a way that felt really big, like, and it was a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they, I mean, they could have used some more extras. I was, it was a little sparse for me, but uh, well, it just happened quick. I just imagine, you know, they don't have time to. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. So, but it, there was a lot of hoopla. People were right. freaking out that they're going this, this, on this trip. This hot air balloon. Pesper two barely gets on the the thing. Right, he almost he almost gets left behind. He's probably using on he, a lady again. He was trying to. He was. He, yeah, he has a sexual. Uh, he's a deviant. He's a deviant. I mean, it's it's a problem. He's uh, a hound dog. He's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, nothing there. but a hound dog. Um. It, so, hot air balloons in movies. Wizard of Oz. Anything else? Is that just Wizard of Oz around the world eighty days? Are those well, that's the two? A good question. I think yeah. Those are the two big yeah. ones. I think yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure like some like stupid comedy travel comedy movies yeah, have them in there. Yeah, those, like, are the, those are the those are the two like the most right. iconic ones. For sure. Chris, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, famous road trips and in, in, yes, in movies. Yes, I, I have a good list. enough time to do it. I'm excited. Uh, and these are these are uh, comedic road trip movies. Sure. Uh, you okay. know, there, there's some you know Rain Man is up there. Yep. Uh, they're, they're Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Rider. Yeah. Easy Rider. There's a couple of dramatic one. ones, but uh, this is a comedy, so I figured I'd stick to the comedies. Uh, guys, let me know if there's anything I missed. Cause I think I, you mentioned one I already met. Uh, uh, Best Picture winner Green Book would be another one, too. Um, I have, which I yeah. have not actually seen. That is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> not a comedy. <laughs> not a comedy. All right, so uh, Back to the Future is, is it's not a road trip movie, but it's, it's a, a road yeah, trip. It's a road trip. It's a it's trip, a road trip movie, yeah. you know? Yeah, they're not there are f- no road Where we're going, there's no roads. Yeah, but, right. yeah. This isn't a road trip movie either, right. but, you know. It's a yeah. traveling yeah. movie. A traveling movie. Buddy traveling movies. Right. Uh, Back to the Future, uh, Lampoon's Vacation. Of course. Yeah. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Great one. one. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Great one. Little Miss Sunshine, which is a great one. really great one. Yeah, I love that. Best yeah. Picture nominee. Uh, Sideways. Again, it's not a, like a long trip, but it's like a it's a, it's a fake a trip movie. You know? Another Best Picture nominee. Yep. Uh, Tommy Boy, which is absolutely. probably one of the top ones. Yeah. And um, and Road Trip. And you mentioned Euro, Euro, Euro Trip. I Euro Trip. Sure. One. How about um? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Detroit Rock City. Yes. Oh, wow. to see the Kiss, Kiss concert? Yeah. yeah, I was so Detroit Rock. But I was thinking, I was talking about good ones. But okay, <laughs> so when, how dare you, <laughs> Chris? When you said your list, I thought of three things. Detroit Rock City was one. Due date was another, and then yeah, actually, oh, again, date. Okay. good, good movies, ones. Guys. Due date's <laughs> good. Already okay. beats spinning in his chair. I, I disagree with you, but uh, okay. <laughs> and then my recommend, which we'll get to at the end, is oh. another one I have on. Okay, there, cool. Yeah. yeah, wait for that one. And that's why it's um, my recommend because of I, what you thought of. But this throw, is one of the. I mean, this is one of the originals, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll throw out one that was a recommend for me in the past is uh, Silver Streak, and that is a um, that's a Richard Richard Pryor Gene Wilder, and that's a train. Trip, so a train road trip. What about Throw Mama from the train? Was that a trip? Uh, movie? I guess does that count? I, think, I, I don't you know. know. I haven't was, seen this since I was a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time either. I don't remember if there was a trip or they're just trying to throw this bitch off the train. I don't know which. <laughs> I don't know. Casual murder on a vacation <laughs> no, sounds like it fits. Does Goonies count? I, mean, I know I you've never seen it, Joe, but I think Goonies does count because it, it's it's a, it's a journey it's a journey movie. Yeah, that's the better way to put it. But then the you can wonder: movie. Does like Indiana Jones count? It's kind of a trip. He's kind of going on a trip. Yeah, see, yeah. It, it's it's a deep, it's a it's a 
It's a slippery slope. There's there's a map with a with the lines being drawn across yeah. the the country. That's right. <laughs> oh my god, that's a great trope. Yeah. Um, I'm Love I'm that glad trope. that trope was not in this movie. Yeah. Yes. The other thing that I really liked this movie didn't do is it didn't tell you each city on the bottom of the screen where they were. Yes. It wasn't like Spain, China, right, India. They found ways to do it conversationally. It was yep. it yeah, was done right. authentically. Yeah. I really appreciated that. That's why I really the, one of my favorite things about this movie was how each place had its own. Whether it's like stereotypes or whether it's culture, however you want to look at Definitely it, there were some stereotypes, right? But <laughs> each place had its own feel, which it's hard to do, yeah. and that's how it let it know. Like because they were in Egypt for like thirty seconds, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the Suez Canal, yeah. yeah. So it's so quick, and if you don't know that the Suez Canal is in Egypt, you wouldn't know where the hell they were. You would just think it was. Do you on think there. if this movie was made later, the the what do you the, I don't the, these troops these troops weren't really invented yet. Right. Um, so like, oh, I'm sh- were they? I'm sure they were. I mean, Mutiny on the Mountie used the lines and the map. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I'm sure there's movies before 1956 that where the lo- where you're in a spot, it tells you where you are on the right. bottom of the screen. Okay, I'm sure they use that. I don't know that for sure. But I'm so I'm just wondering if they didn't that. fall into that because uh, uh, it was a choice or just because they just didn't really exist. Whatever yet. it is, yeah. it really worked. It, it, that know? that end of it definitely worked. Yeah. Although um, I do I do enjoy those tropes. I, I do like the, the lines on the map. I, I'm like, <laughs> oh, they're on the trip. I see what they're doing <laughs> yeah. now. Like, I see where they are. You, let's talk Spain here. And Joe, you brought up the bullfight before. Um, before we get to the bullfight... Uh, we don't need to go far for a Batman reference here in this one. The only thing to talk about in God. Spain, Caesar Romero. Caesar Romero. God fucking damn it. What? <laughs> Jake Ritz loves our Batman talk here. Fucking Batman. Uh, Caesar yeah. Romero was the Joker. The Joker. He was the original Joker in the Adam West ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spain looked really cool, had cool energy, but we should have been out of there 20 minutes yeah, well, Boy, the, the, let's go. The bullfight is, is great. For a while. For a while. while. Too long. I think they wanted to show off his bullfighting he's skills. Right, because he actually had them, right? But before we even... It wasn't get, exciting, but the flamingo dancing. Before we even get to the bullfight, the guy on the table for 15 minutes. All right, you're dancing on the table, bro. Let's go. Come on. Off the table. Oh, we have, have a movie to watch here. Oh, like, I, really, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I thought that guy, he was phenomenal. He was great, whole... <laughs> but it was too long. It was he a was, scene that could have been cut. Oh, Chris clear. liked it. All right, that's why we have three people here. I don't know why. I just did. I was, I was enthralled. The Gene Kelly is super strong with you, man. <laughs> I like this outfit. I like that. Chris is tested positive for the yeah, Gene okay. Kelly. He is tested positive yeah. for the Gene Kelly. So we did. <laughs> I th- that guy was super talented, but he, they, I, I, that could have been three minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, I'm with you, John. That was a little long, Chris. I love that you appreciate it. Yeah, That's no. why we have multiple I, I, voices. I did here. like it. it, it I, I, you guys are right. It's too long, yeah. but I did enjoy it. <laughs> um, the bullfight, bullfighting as a general is a real rough tradition here. What, what is? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's not looked at great. Are they still anymore. doing it out there? They don't do the running of the bulls anymore. That's, is that done? I didn't. No, they still do the running of the bulls. I think no. they still. Oh, do I think running. it was a big. They change the way they, they do they it. Might not, they might do it, but I know it's there's a, a safe, big pushback yeah. about it. Okay. They change the way it's done, but they okay. still do it. It's just it's safe. It's really right. awful. It's, yeah. it's not good. Like, but bullfighting is I mean, just... Bullfighting's worse. I mean, well, you're, you're yeah. killing the bulls. Well, if they, I, do they kill the bulls still? I, think, I don't know that I they think now they more, tag but, them. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think... It, listen, I don't think you're... Until you're actually killing the bull, they're not really doing anything to the bull. They're just kind of teasing him, right? Like, they're just being dicks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that movies have presented bullfighting in a certain way that I don't know is actually what it is. You know, yeah, like right. when Donald Duck is like right. bullfighting and you know, I don't think he's, yeah. you know, he's slaying the bulls on the Disney cartoon, but nor is, is, um, is Canton right. But I think that, the, yeah, part of the I tradition mean, is, is that, well, that, is that I do not agree. Yeah. There's no reason no. to kill him. Yeah. There's just no way. When you, no like old 
bullfighting. I mean, these poor bulls would have numerous swords stuck in them at the yeah. end as oh, they bleed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not. It's, yeah, that's, 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 it's, uh, it's animal cruelty. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, tor- it's animal cruelty. I'm, it's I'm torture. It's... So let's talk animals now, because there are a shit ton of animals in this movie. Whether they're bulls being fought or ostriches carrying, <laughs> carrying oh, that, that uh, rickshaws. Awesome. Um, I have the animal count here. Oh, this movie, okay. If we got it here. So there were uh, ninety animal handlers total. So ninety people in charge of. Of, uh, of wrangling these uh, these guys. There was a total of 8,552 animals what? used in the movie. Really? And they are as follows. 3,800 sheep. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to go through 8,000 different animals. Oh, no, no, no. Thank God. No, 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 no. no. no this eight, there were 8,552 total animals, not God. different kinds. But I, total I, I know, I know. <laughs> Number one. Uh, sheep named Harrison. Number so two, we have sheep named Chris. <laughs> So we have 3,800 sheep, we have 2,448 buffalo, we have 950 donkeys, we have 800 horses, we have 512 monkeys, we have 17 bulls, 15 elephants, 6 skunks, and 4 ostriches. So that's what was used. So there's no natural animals, this is all, they, this, they, they put these animals in. They were in all the brought room. in there, yes. Yeah, so they were, they, these were the ones that were handled onto the set. Right. That's not including just like the shots of nature. I think there was like one of like a hippo or yeah, something yeah, in the distance. Yeah, these are the ones that they had stuff. handlers bring in. So like they're not all four ostriches made to scream, but they used four ostriches to film. Right. Because like all the buff because the buffalo stuff was awesome and they made that feel really natural. Yeah. Um but it's I don't know who's in charge of counting all these buffaloes, but someone did. And that's that's uh those numbers are straight from the producer, Michael Tapp. Yeah, that's so what he said. Hopefully there was not a whole lot of animal mistreatment amongst those and you know, like yeah, in the fifties we yeah, we can't we can't be sure of that. But cool vibe in Spain, but I was happy to get out of Spain because they yeah, just dragged it, it, it would get dragged yeah. and that, that's typically the number one spot right um, you know before before they head to the Suez Canal and then eventually the Bombay train uh, which was a real cool shot they go back to England and show the scoreboard. The scoreboard. I love the scoreboard yeah, plot I like trope that too. in movies. Too. You know? I, I do too. With the odds changing, yeah, or, and just you know, let, let's let's keep track of the plot right now, right, folks. Yeah. They they do it great in Billy Madison with yeah. the moving him up from yep. grade to grade on the right. board. Yeah, that's um, right. Major League where they're taking yep, the, clothes the clothes off, off. after each win. Um, or I even just like like the sting, the, like you know, yep, they, they yeah, the whole, yeah. You know, I love it, and I thought that was so cool because one, it kept. The, you know, those guys kind of involved keep us grounded in the bet, but also like, oh shit, he made yeah. it, and it built tension at the end. It's when... important to remind the viewer what's at, what's going on and what's at stake and why right. they're doing this. Because it, it, in a sprawling three-hour movie, it's easy to forget why they're... What the fuck are they doing in the right. first place? Yeah. Why are they on this trip? Like, you know, so to bring you back to that is important. Right. Yeah, he had the 40 to 1 odds to the 30 to 1 odds, the 33 to 1 odds. And for anyone who doesn't know, as you as each person places the bet, it changes the right. odds. So if, if they're betting four, if they're betting four fog, then the uh, the odds will shrink a little bit. Right. And most people are betting the other way, so it'll get wider and wider. Wait, can I ask you guys a question here? Because this is something I have debated. Phileas Fogg is a name. Phineas, I think. It's Phileas. It's Phileas? It's Phileas, Phileas. okay. P-H-I-L-E-A-S. Oh, okay. Fogg. Cool name, awful name. Uh, um, well, I mean, Jules Verne, I'm not going to necessarily step in and, and tell him how he should name his characters. You know, I I wouldn't name my son Phileas. I think Phineas is a good name. Phileas. Yeah. I, I've never heard of that. Philip or Phineas. Probably not Phileas. That's kind of in the in the middle there. Um, David uh, Niven portrayed uh, Phileas Fogg, considered it uh, the best role of his career. It was uh, was his favorite. He was a, a well-accomplished actor. I thought he did a nice job doing sharp, sharp, uh, witty lines. There were some good witty lines in this. In this Stiff movie. upper lip British guy with wit? Uh, he, yeah. he did it. 
Yeah, a little deadpan, yeah. but... He's, then we meet it's, someone who sucks. Well, we're headed to... Suarez, uh, Suez Canal. Yeah, the Suez Canal. And then through customs, we meet Inspector Fix. Inspector Fix. Yes, mm. he was our heel in this yeah. one. And, um, he we, got shipped out of England. His, uh, his BPC connection was he played Bill Sykes in the, um, in the David Lean version of Oliver Twist. Oliver, yeah. Chris, you accidentally didn't watch that. You watched a different watch <laughs> the earlier one that yeah, yeah. was less notable. Yeah. But um, yeah, he played Bill Sykes, and that was was very good in that movie. And uh, Joey, uh, talk about the, the fix here. Well, Seems like you have something to say. Yeah, I'm not surprised that they shipped him out of England and where they actually need to solve crimes because and they don't respond to him. He's quite ineffective as an inspector. And mean sideburns there too. Oh my God! I was, you know, that that, that the crime that he thought based off nothing but absurd hearsay. Yeah, but his interactions there with the uh, British em- uh, ambassador is uh, Reginald Denny. Yeah, and you know where we uh, remember Reginald Denny from, Joe. He was in Rebecca. He was my regrettable LVP in uh, oh, Crowley. That's right, he, he was, was Crowley. Crowley. So he's also a um, oh, a Batman yeah. connection with the West. He was in the Adam West Batman's too. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was Crowley. And this is my quote. My quote comes from him. We'll get it out of the way now. And um, Reginald Denny, Denny says to to our our friend Mister Fix, "Good heavens, four o'clock! It's tea time." <laughs> and Bob Newton responds, "Yes, I know, but this is a crisis." And Reginald Denny says. Crisis or no, nothing should interfere with tea. <laughs> uh, the movie is very British. Very <laughs> this British. movie takes being British to new levels. Can I give you my uh, my my quote? Because I think it's, it plays right into it. I it know does. what you're going to do. It this does. is from Shirley MacLaine, I'm sure. It is from Shirley MacLaine. And she says, Mr. Fogg, why must you be so British? Because yeah. <laughs> she, I think she just wants to bang, and he yeah, doesn't yeah. want anything to do with it. Like, yeah, it's too I proper. Mean, so my quote is earlier when they make the bet, and he says in English, it never jokes about a wager. There you go. Yeah, that's a lot, of, a lot very, of English pride here. It's very British. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time with British lingo. Needed subtitles on. Needed subtitles on. So I have yeah, a problem I with that. that. Yeah. yeah, I should start doing that more. Yeah, the subtitles were necessary in this one because they. Get, I was actually get, okay with it. I yeah. honestly, I, I can't follow some of what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> you know, they're just using vernacular that I'm not. Yeah, uh, and they say it they, they quickly, quick, quick sharp, sharp yeah, direct. Yeah, the sharpness. That's a perfect word. I I really like that. I have to pull that into my own vernacular and lexicon because it's <laughs> a perfect way of putting it that I wouldn't phrase it that way. But I, you're right in India. And Bombay here, we have those uh, those cool train shots. The oh, train man. the train stuff in this is all real pretty strong. Bombay, I thought, was just fantastic. The train, just everything after. I, I love the way it looked. Yeah, I think that, you know, this this movie really is kind of filmed as like a, it's just like a dressed up travelogue, yep. you know, and they're, yeah. and they're going around the world and, and checking it out. And that's how he wanted it to, to portray. And, and those shots really are brilliant and they're, they're mm-hmm. great to watch. And um, I just, I kind of wish that they synced a little better with the narrative to me. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of, okay, I see what you're doing here. You're showing us the land. And it, 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 I, it, yeah. they, they, they did a decent job of putting it through Pressport 2's eyes because he's looking out of the out of the train, and they tried to yeah. sync it up a little bit. I, I thought I felt like it could have it could have they could have tightened it up a little, a little bit where it, we still get the shots, but purpose more purposeful. Um, yeah. I, I I agree. And then, then I mean, this is a lofty project. There's no doubt huge. about it. It's I mean, not, they, it's considered yeah. the biggest project in the history of Hollywood. I mean, yeah. it's, that's, this is was not a small. They they also do a good job. I mean, they, they do it with Press Part Two. I mean, that's the vehicle they use. 
to show that like you know he's seeing these cultures for the first time and mm. being like oh like he's impressed by this and that they show his 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 reactions and then like in Spain he does really well right he fits right. in somehow he, he does and then as he goes through all these other countries it doesn't always go so well like, yeah he, yeah he, he gets, insults the the cultures he insults the the people there yes he gets further and further away yeah. from Europe <laughs> <laughs> and just shows how culture now follows. but I think that yeah. they, that's what they did well I, I thought that they they're, they the res- like listen you have to show respect for other people's culture right. when you're yeah. in their land I think they did a good job of that in, in 1956 especially well like, I 100 yeah. agree. Until um, we get to Princess Aouda, yeah. Mm. So we do we do the elephant trip, which I, which I, I thought was again thousand cool, pounds cool just, shot uh, on top of I the elephant, pushing through the trees, just the behind nice shot. shot. It was yeah. awesome. I, yeah, I, I do I do find myself feeling bad for elephants when I see human beings riding them. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just my personal thing. Like, how about ostriches? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of like oh, that. <laughs> I do like that. Also, this is like well, the ostriches seem like a psycho. Yeah, like, they're yeah. nasty, nasty animals. Yeah, I think they don't give a fuck. Like I think they're just. <laughs> elephants. The elephants are like smooth, yeah, smart right. and like kind of dopey, and they kind yeah. of like you know. I, I mean, I, they look dopey. They kind of yeah. Like no, they're very around. intelligent animals. But I know yeah. they're. Re- I, said, I said they're really smart. I don't mean dopey. No, they look like dude. They look kind of dopey. You know, like I mean, they're like right. do- they look like docile creatures. Right. And like, yeah, and they're trusting. Bad. You know, they're trusting in, in in a way, especially like a domesticated yeah. one, like they're yeah. using. Um, they can be really nasty. <laughs> like if if they're if they're angry, they're gonna they're gonna You're, cause some problems. Yeah, right? good. Big big ass big ass animals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about Shirley MacLaine here, and this is our our first introduction to Shirley MacLaine in the Best Picture lexicon here. Right. Will our other two examples would be much yeah. much more positive um, discussions about right. it because she's a, she has her Oscar winning performance in terms of Dearment right. much later on in her career, and she has her Billy Wilder appearance yeah. in The Apartment too, both tremendous uh, performances. And this is very early on in Shirley MacLaine's career, um, and here we are. We, we're going to talk about. Uh, a white actor playing an Indian. Yeah. It yes. makes so no fucking sense to me. Yeah, like, uh, it's crazy. It doesn't because they went out of their way to. It was a pretty diverse project. Why? Why wouldn't they? they by the way, India. I don't know at the time how what what this the cinema was like, but mm-hmm. I mean they're pretty well known for having a lot mm-hmm. of actors yeah. and actresses. Right. Yeah, I don't know. They Bollywood. couldn't find somebody more appropriate. Like, right. yeah, it was tough. No, Chris, your wife is Indian. Did she watch she this with you? She did not. She did not. Um, no. But she's she's. I mean, we've watched a lot of Bollywood movies. Mm-hmm. Her her mom is really into you know the Bollywood scene and, and actor fame. There's plenty. <laughs> I know there was plenty of actors right. at that time. And I'm not asking you to speak for her, but what would her reaction be to this? Oh, it, it would, she would have been like, "What is going on here? Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. is this happening?" I mean, you, you got a ginger from Hollywood. <laughs> it's not Indian even. Princess, it's, like. She's not even close. No, yeah. it looks bad. Like right. she she doesn't look. She doesn't even. Have, she yeah. doesn't have a, an Indian accent, which I'm glad. I'm actually glad about. I mean, that would right. have been uh, right. that would have been worse, I guess. But like, at least they said she's educating Britain to, to give take away. Yeah, the voice. okay, that's right. You, but the problem right. was Ugh, her skin bad. in India was dark. Yeah, that's bad. And then each country, her skin got a shade or two lighter. Yeah, it doesn't go. It doesn't, it doesn't go. Like they were trying to. Age well. I felt like they were just trying to make us forget what they did, so that by yeah. the time we were in America, yeah. she looked like she got sort of got a tan, and that was super fucked up. And in twenty twenty one, I look at her. I don't think her performance was bad or anything. Huh. It just it just distracted me so much. I it just, didn't have a chance. Yeah, didn't it didn't have a chance. have a chance. He talked about Hugh Griffith last week and Ben Hur with the. Now he had shoe polish on his face the whole movie. Oof. That's real rough. Uh, um, playing a chic. 
So, um, yeah, so we, we just start the second week in a row yeah. talking about this stuff again. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, she talks about how much she dislikes it. Is that well, right? I'm yeah. Sh- I'm sure it's a tough thing. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly different time in Hollywood in the 50s. You know, we talked about this early. with Ben-Hur, too. Right. Um, so this type of thing was a little more common practice. Not that that and excuses it or makes it better. I'm not, but I'm not somebody who holds people accountable, especially when they realize later right. on that what they did wasn't the best thing. It was the time. It just right. happened at yeah. a certain time, and it was acceptable. Then it's not now. Right. And like, but it, it's 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 hard to look at it and not right. focus on yeah. it because it's so blatantly 100%. wrong. You know. And like, she pointed out that it was a problem. And honestly, I think she was good. Like she was good in that thing. Yeah, she was fine. But because of I couldn't get yeah. I couldn't get it off that couldn't get it in my head that oh my god she's lighter oh my god they're trying yeah, oh my Kieran, god what are like they Kieran doing? said there's she didn't have a no, chance didn't have a chance yeah, yeah. Uh, rough custom that they have down there your, your husband dies you got to you got to uh, burn with the body uh, that's a little rough yeah is that she's like, is, is that she's, a sort I, I'm not sure I'm so, just, but I'm, taking, the, so, I'm taking uh, I'm taking around the world eighty days word so, for it uh, in the Jules Verne book it was an arranged marriage she met him once and then she went to England to be educated in mm-hmm. England which was so in the book he died while she was in England they brought her back to <laughs> burn her in the funeral pyre yeah that's um wow. that's a rough that's, tradition so she knew him uh, once I, it's you know she's probably like, oh god yeah I got that, guy, that, guy. that guy's finally gone Whew, don't have to worry about that anymore uh, you want me to do it I say what now I got uh, <laughs> oh, oh we're gonna drug no. you <laughs> so and light you on fire alive my, my my wife's grandparents were an arranged marriage. They were Indian arranged marriage. I think she was like 14 when they got married. Jeez, so it's, wow. that's, that's not, that was common yeah. at the yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That was a thing. Yeah. And they ended up having like 10 kids. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, awesome. so it worked. So I mean, it is, that is right. a thing. So And I mean, you know, to, to go past the horrific custom, real, you know, because they did, I think they did make it seem like this is a very specific culture within like the outskirts like this isn't in the city this is in yeah they're all the, like they yeah. weren't like this is india as a whole so whatever no they're, de- they're depicting a thing that is historically accurate right yeah it, it, it is, it's a little unfortunate this movie chooses to focus on the savagery they, yeah, of, it of does it with native cultures. americans too yep, yeah we're gonna get yeah, yeah, we'll, get well to in, 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 in india they took they just cut that part out where so they're on the they're, they're <laughs> on the boat and then all of a sudden shirley mcclain is just with them in yeah. China, yeah. yeah, it doesn't portray Americans in the Grand. No, play either, no, no. <laughs> so, um, which, which I'm, I'm okay. I'm sure I, we deserve. I, well, right, you know, I, I think, right. like, listen, if you really can break it down, like every culture has savage parts of their culture yeah. and or their history, and it just is what it is. But yeah, when it's super British people being like, boom, yeah, they, but they're not showing Americans like burning people alive or doing, you know. No, we're just wasting the streets right. setting up fireworks. <laughs> which is um, throwing much, daggers at each right. other. Honestly, not much has changed. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm not saying I'm offended. Um, um, but then past part two, being a zombie to save her, is what do you do with the body? Yeah. I, oh, I, what I, did I, he do with the body? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, where, so I'm watching this, and he set up, I, hysterical, but then I was like, very funny. where yeah. is this poor man's fucking body? <laughs> yeah. They tossed it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no. God, just toss me in the garbage. Toss me in the trash. I'm dead. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Always sunny there. Um, I didn't make that up, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's let's head let's head to um, to Thailand and, and to Hong Kong. And so it, it was a big deal in Thailand. The uh, that that ship that they that the they Rangoon. filmed there. Yeah, the the Rangoon. That it was, was the a, king of Thailand's ship. Yeah, that was a major deal in Thailand for them to get that on film. It was the first right. time it had ever been filmed. It's right. like wow. a big pride of the 
country. So that's why it, if that shot seemed a little out of place or a little like they lingered on it for a little bit, that was like one of the... And if you see the trailer for the movie, that's like a big part of the trailer. Like, yeah. It's like featuring the Thailand... Right. Yeah, so oh, it was wow. like a, yeah, it was like a big deal at the time. So we, or, or, this is kind of the section where we're going to get split up and we're going to move through what we're doing. Anything to talk about in the whole the Hong Kong and Thailand section there? I, I think the thing is, you know, Fix confides in Pasapi, Passepartout, Pas, mm-hmm. and then gives him opium, knocks him out, robs him, throws him on the boat. He drinks it and he's just immediately uh, shot. Right. Uh, um, it's kind of much oh. like Doc Brown in the Old West where he right. gets the shot of something and immediately passes out. Right. I mean, at least with, you know, opium's a little so bit more... So he's so tentative about drinking this thing, and especially from this guy who we know, right. he knows... Is he an alcoholic? Is he just can't resist? <laughs> like, what's going on here, exactly? Like, I, was, I, I would have been like, fuck you, I'm throwing to, the... I thought it was more politeness. You're offering nah, the drink No, I didn't ticket? get no? that. Okay. I, I got that he was... He couldn't resist the, the drink. He wanted the drink. Okay, so maybe he's an alcoholic. We don't see it, but, you know, listen, he has so... He's on he's the run from the ladies. Addict, so, uh, right. It was very odd. It right. was a very odd scene. There's a million different ways you could have done that. Right. Where, where that was a little more realistic than just like, oh, should I take it? Should I not? I, I, so I think doesn't somebody pass out right behind right him? Behind like, right him. Before? Right behind him. And <laughs> it's like, you know. And Inspector. Not, not, not a good. Inspector Fix with the most obvious wink ever. He's like, oh, get him the special. Yeah, wink, right, wink. Right. Like, just can't handle the peer pressure is what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah, but he's, he's very specific. He's like, nothing too strong, please. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives him opium. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But um, so he wakes up in in the in the ship to, to on the way to Japan, right? And that's uh, Peter Delari there, who uh, we'll see Peter Delari again in uh, Casablanca, right? He's yes. also in Maltese Falcon, yep. and uh, a, a big star is in um, the Man Who Knew Too Much, yep. uh, Alfred Hitchcock's also in uh, M. He's the star in M, which is a I've never seen a that. classic silent film. Okay, real good, very recognizable uh, good, face, good, good, recognizable face, creepy looking Hungarian actor playing a Japanese guy again, not great. Yeah, um, that was but tough. but not sure why they had to make him Japanese in this. It didn't. Seem I know. To... He, he anyone could work on a boat. I did like Pesapifat figuring out he was um, robbed, and then everybody being like, "Oh no, there's no way to get to Japan," and Vog figures it out. His just unlimited money, just as he does, ever. And that was a cool looking boat that him and um, the princess were on. That, that that was. I thought that was also a cool travel trip. They're gonna reunite there in in, J- in, in Japan. J- in Japan in, in the circus. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get to see the geishas, which are kind of teased a little earlier. Yeah, and we get and that harassing the poor geishas. Yeah, when he, when uh, Prince Patu is, is asking about the women everywhere, and they're like, "Oh, the geishas!" Oh. <laughs> not, not to be missed. <laughs> they're going to connect back together and and Sanford, the SS Grant, to the San SS Grant to San Francisco, sailing the Pacific Ocean. We hear uh, "Rule Britannia," which is the song that plays it. Which is how we ended Beauty and the Bounty, yep. I believe. So we, um, it's a great song. Get across the they zone. do throw in a lot of famous songs that I know. Yep. Like I think Yankee Doodles in yep. there somewhere. They're, they're, oh. Not just American songs. There's I noticed it throughout the movie that they. Yep. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They throw the, them the out quick, wow. and they're not. They don't see them hear the whole song too. You just hear a snippet of it, and they ch- it changes through throughout. Yep. Yeah, when they show the Indians, you get bump 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 bump. They yeah, they yeah. kind of mix, and then in Japan, I, you're doing a lot of the, the Far East stuff. So they mix in the music, the the cultures with the. Yeah, fortunately, that didn't stick with me, and I watched this three times. Oh, I think one of the reasons. Joe is because the score is just in the background constantly playing. Yeah. And I think and when changing. you do that, yes. Okay. And when you do that, it's just kind of, it becomes almost white noise. Yeah. yeah and it's I mean, just, you're, it's just constantly playing and matching up with visuals, which is a difficult task. And you can see why you'd win off of like that. But I think like 
there's an oversaturation that goes on. Okay. And when we get to the train scene in America, that's kind of where it really started to that's get where to I, me a little bit. I think bit. that's where I noticed it the most, yeah. for yeah, sure. Yeah, and it, it, it yeah. really kind of yeah, What you guys are up. saying, like, I'm really, I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to think, and I have no recollection of it. So this would be the intermission, intermission point here. So they're, uh, they're going to get to the lobby and relax, get a drink, chat about what they've seen, and come back and to the to the uh, end truck. All right, so we are headed to America, Fuck and yeah. uh, we're going to uh, to San Fran, Northern Cal, and uh, we got a little festival going on here, which was a big uh, a big production for them. They had all these sorts of extras and, and whatnot. The Barbary Coast is where this is this is going to be here. We get into into the bar with the over the overprotective owner there, and uh, and Marlena Dietrich is the is the blonde there, who was a, a Famous actress in the 20s and 30s, and probably at that time was someone that everybody knew. Right. Um, I liked her. I thought she was good for the... There was a good cameo. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know who she was. I went and looked it up and found out she was... I figured she was somebody, but I liked her. I'm looking for my man. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and uh, the overproductive, nice-tossing owner there. But we also have... Playing the piano. Not saying any lines at all. Just turning... Look at the camera. Frankie Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. He's our... Uh, one of two best picture appearances for him. He also wins the Oscar in From Here to Eternity. We'll get to that at some point. That was a couple years earlier, 1953. Super charming without even talking here. Just How many cameo. people could pull off a role like that? Where it's, they just, and, and have it be classy and cool. Wow. We, yeah, I mean. They're, I mean, Dean. Yeah. That would be it. Probably. I, I mean, even what about today? I mean, because even if you like, they'd have to, they'd have to have the musical. Right gene to it like you can't you can't have like someone like a little richard or elton john would be too much too, too much to be distracted there has to be know? a subtle coolness to it that that's like like a presence without being over the top I, I got one and i don't know if he's a piano player but probably is uh leonard cohen he's out from today but leonard mm-hmm. cohen would have been a great one yep. though maybe you know the hat you know mysterious yeah look uh but not i can't think of many dude. i mean to the, in, in today who would who would slot into that in today's time, man? You know, something like The Rock, maybe could turn and smile, and everyone would know who he is. Yeah. You know, it, it, Bradley would Cooper? it be classy and cool though? No, it would be uh, like what about Bradley maybe? Cooper? No, <laughs> Bradley Cooper maybe, not, but is not, he? Is, he's not. He's not like a household face though, is he? Oh, sure. Yeah, Bradley Cooper is not like Frank Sinatra though. I think Bradley really? Cooper. I think everybody knows who Bradley Cooper is. Yeah, but I mean, I mean Frank Sinatra is a different level of. I mean, Elvis would would be another one too. Yeah, we're thinking like I mean, like Bradley Cooper doesn't have a number one hit. You know, well, he's not like, a he doesn't have like, he doesn't yeah. like yeah. So it's musicians. I don't think there's anybody that I know of. Like Ed Sheeran. Could... Yeah, well, okay. He actually did it. He did it. On yeah, Game of Thrones. On Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, and, really? And yeah. it took me right out of it. I was like, <laughs> but that's what the, the problem. Fuck is he doing? It that? took you out of it, so it didn't work. <laughs> no, it did. Yeah, well, it was also like Game of Thrones, not a movie with a million cameos around the world. You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of it takes a real true icon to be able to pull yeah, something yeah. off like that and not S- have a line. Sinatra is an all-timer though. That's Yeah. I think when we do when we do from here to eternity, we're going to have to do some, our top Sinatra songs whoever's on oh that. We'll have God. to figure out who the Sinatra fans are. And it's going to have to be a lot of run-ins for that one. Yes, that's right. We'll have a, we'll have a, a Sinatra battle royal. Let's get to the train here in 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 the US and uh, I want to start with I want to start with the, the little a little blurb on the score because we, we talked about it a little bit here. Victor Young wins wins the Oscar here, and he wins it uh, posthumously. He had a major career. I mean, he had I think twenty two nominees before that. Wow, had never won one. 
and finally sure. wins after he dies. I mean, that's tough. That's a tough beat. But the song did go around the world. Ninety Day song, the orchestral version, it went to number thirteen on the Billboard charts. Um, the following year, as again, that's after after he passes. And the B track on that featured Bing Crosby. John, oh, look, that we talked about in uh, Going My Way. Uh, but yeah, twenty-two Oscar nominations for Young. He also scored Quiet Man and Shane, two notable westerns. There, here's here's going to be one of my underlying problems with this whole movie, and I think the score plays into it. And I think this train scene is kind of one of the things that I can really highlight here. We have the the big scene with with the bridge, okay, and the bridge collapsing. Yeah. And they're going to get through it, and apparently all the conductor needs is a shot of whiskey to to, to go over <laughs> this damn thing here. There is this extreme lack of tension. Mm-hmm. On this massive scene yeah. where this train has to get over this bridge and the bridge collapses as soon as the train goes over it. It was just kind of played very light and cartoonishly where that should have been a moment where you're kind of at least on the edge of your seats a little bit like, oh, where they're going to get over this. And there is, you know, like a stand by me moment or something right. like that where, you know, you know, they're, we know they're going to make it, but are they going to make it? Like, right. the, And I think the score played into that because the score was so like light and it had like the, the, you know, you know, with the horse, horse hoofs, that token Western right. uh, tropey score. And it just, it, it didn't create tension. And I thought that played out through this whole movie. There wasn't a lot of tension in this no. movie. The, no. the stakes are very low. They're so yeah. low. Even yeah. when, even if logistically they're high, you never feel nope, like they're no. that high. And this movie has a ticking clock in the title. Right. Around where you have to get there in 80 days. Like this, there should have been, the, the audience should be like checking their watch saying, Oh my God! Is he going to get there in time? Instead, they're checking the watch, saying this movie's fucking three hours right. long. What's going? And, and sorry, not to mention that like we don't really. There's no point where you're like they may not make it. Like right. I mm-hmm. never felt that. I was like they're going to make it. Like they're they're going to they're going to make it. Like right. yeah. And I don't know if that was the case in 1956, but it was the case for me. Right. I was like, there's no. I'm not even concerned that they're not going to make it. That was the problem. Because I, I and if they don't, like okay, he goes. I guess I don't care about that, like right. if it's broke or not, you know. Yeah, and I think that the that the focus on the movie is more on the visual visual spectacle, yeah, yeah. less than stakes. And I'll tell you what, the next the next best picture winner we're gonna cover is a movie with m- massive visual productions that All was six. the main part of right. it, and it's a story that everybody knows, and everyone knows how it ends. And we're talking about Titanic here, right. and. That's a movie with tension, and right. that's a movie with stakes. Even though we all know that the damn boat sinks, yeah, right. we're in it saying, "Oh, maybe it won't this time, though." And and and, and are, will they? Will this person survive or not? Uh, or yeah. What a, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so, so there was just no tension, no like, "Oh my god," and that that hurt it. And I'm sure when we get to Titanic, we can compare the two a little bit. But I, I think that if you look at the two of those, because Titanic certainly is based around being a visual spectacle, right. as is this one, but they were able to intertwine the two on top. Buster Keaton was funny though. Yeah, Buster Keaton conductor. as the train conductor really did a great job. Completely um, no sold an arrow in the back. <laughs> now the stereotypical uh, mm-hmm. kind of redneck western uh, mustache, John Carradine. He is the father of David Carradine, yep. who plays Bill in Kill Bill. I, I did and not. It's also Kung, Kung Fu. Yep. Michelle Kung Fu. He was, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Carradine, that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. Famous for, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, John Carradine. I thought was a real goofy performance out of him there. Yeah. Um, didn't didn't love it. It was fine. Yeah. Now the bridge collapse was they they did they had they found a bridge that was being built, and they basically paid them off to destroy it. Yeah. They're like, can we just like you're not done yet? Like you're halfway with the project. Can we just like we'll pay you off to just really? to just destroy yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, so they they actually did. so if you're gonna go that far to make that big destruction, you know, they make it make us it. feel it. Yeah, right. make us feel it, and they failed, man. Ooh, the um, let's talk uh, Indian invasion here. 
Native American invasion. Do uh, I do I have to be politically correct? Here, this movie here, was horrifically not another. Uh oh, moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah not a. Uh, not great. And these arrows? I mean, what could... Oh, my God. The pro- yeah. Oh, the prop people get an LVP. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh. I mean, good. I mean, they're bouncing off oh. of them. <laughs> bouncing, bouncing off the It's crazy. <laughs> oh, my these God. These vicious Native Americans. Yeah. Honestly, my biggest takeaway from that, so Passaparte, pa- he was wearing his <laughs> cowboy outfit... Then he's on the stake back in his, real, in, his, in his original manservant tux. I was like, why? When did they change him? Press Part 2 was murdered 14 times in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh my god. Jesus. Not not effective arrows here in this one. No. I mean, that's that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. This was tough. Um, our uh, our Gregory Peck appearance was supposed to be our yeah, this, the cavalry leader. the mounted cavalry yeah. leader. Yeah, they thought he wasn't taking it serious. Gregory enough, so Peck wasn't him. taking the role serious enough, so he got fired. You're kidding. <laughs> That's that's a real story. That yeah. is a real story. He was <laughs> he wasn't taking he wasn't taking saving Pesaparte Pesaparte seriously enough, so they got rid of him. Wow. He's like, uh, uh, you're filming me for ten minutes. So I'm on the back of this horse. I have two lines. You're not taking this seriously right. enough. Uh, okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Gregory Peck got fired for well, a role that... that required him just to say nothing or do nothing. Well, in our second part of this, uh, you know, in our Back to the Future. There's another not great fire. There's another rough firing as well. Yes, there yeah. is another connection. That, that there. one makes sense, but yes. that, right. this, yeah. this one didn't. Anything else you to say about this Indian invasion here? I mean, I like the buffaloes running across the, the track. The buffaloes was, was a cool, cool visual. I love seeing like Buster the American West. I thought it was awesome. Buster Keaton was really good. I thought the Native American stuff was, was tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and just the Americans, it, it's very it's very much a, uh, a cartoonish yeah. version of America, yep. even back then. The, that's probably the least respect was given to, to the American absolutely. landscape and, and, yeah. and the people. And I think the least the least amount of uh, appre- appreciation was like given cultural to, respect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, except for uh, Charlie McLean. Yeah, and that, that that that's the worst part. That's definitely the worst. Yeah. One. But you know, listen, the Native American stuff was tough, and I'm sure if we really like looked at it, it would be even way worse. Than yeah, I mean, that, and that wasn't uncommon for the time. No, right? I mean, Absolutely not. No, in movies yeah. and stuff like that's yeah. I mean, we're yeah, we're talking about plenty of westerns, right? And exactly. I mean, yeah. uh, the Searchers is the same year, and I think there's some not great Native right. American portrayals in that one too. Then we kind of they go to New York. We never see New York, which I think is a real odd choice. It's definitely agreed. I mean, Good point. Like what? Like how do you not show us New York? The most iconic part of America in yeah. show. We've talked about that. This has been talked about on episodes. You guys talked to the um, Lost mm-hmm. Weekend. Uh, different, but all New York is something... Okay, maybe we're a little biased, but... Yeah, I was going to say that. But. but 1872 to New York, who doesn't want to see that? You got yeah. Frank Sinatra in your damn movie. Right. You can't ignore New York. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> New York, in that at that time, is is the country, essentially, for the yeah. most part. Right. So know? then, yeah. it's so big. That's a good call. This is very odd. odd choice. Odd choice. So then they're, they, they, he hijacks a boat that's supposed yes, to be going to South America and takes it to England. Yeah, and um, the captain of that steamship there is Victor McLaughlin, is the name of the actor. And he is a notable captain because he wins his Oscar in 1935, okay, and this is uh, the, the Henrietta is the name of the ship here. It's mm-hmm. Captain the Henrietta here. And he wins his Oscar in 1935, uh, beating another captain. He beat Captain Bly, Charles Lawton, Lawton. for that Oscar, uh, along with Clark Gable and with uh, French Tone. And he was in The Informer, John Ford's right. The Informer. So he was the one, we talked about those three guys possibly splitting the right. boat. He, was the, one he who... was the one that won it. Yeah, Thank so. you for him. Um, and this steamship, he, he buys, so uh, Phileas 
buys the ship yeah. off him so that he can basically it. Yeah. yeah take yeah. it apart piece by piece because they, they can go fast because they ran out of fuel they ran out of yeah. fuel yeah. Yeah. there's no more coal and get it go as fast as they can to, to over back to back to England so this, this guy goes through hell and back and then the clown hanger on fix is like no, I'm gonna arrest you now like what a <laughs> but, fucking douche before we get there do we have to burn the poor guy's statue of the, of the I know, world. like, well, we can't let him keep the one. It's still on wood, man. I mean, they, that, that's that's you need that shit. <laughs> but he loved it. She's yeah. gotta go. That, she's got to go. <laughs> burn it. Burn it. I mean, whatever <laughs> he paid him must have been enough for him to have another lovely mermaid woman. Right. Sculpted. You have another one made, man. Get out of here. You're burn, burning it. The sentimental value. Um, yeah, gives him the ship back, which is kind of a nice thing after buying yeah. it back to him. There's not much left of it, of course. But, but now he has the money. He could do it up his way, so right. good for him. Yeah, so Fogg uh, blindsides him once he gets back in that English, once he gets back in, in British jurisdiction. Another storyline that has no real uh, stakes at all. Like, I don't care right. if mm-hmm. he, like, what's, he just, he's honestly an annoyance through most of the movie. Like, <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, seriously, you don't care about what he's doing or why he's doing it. I mean, uh, yeah, the... He's a cute. We haven't even mentioned that that fog is is suspected of a bank robbery, right? Did we right. even mention that? Yeah, it, it, we haven't really. But that's, that's my kind point. Of, yeah. We haven't even mentioned it. It's a main part of the plot. Yeah. It was a yeah. bullshit tense trying to like. Oh, he has to. But he doesn't work. Right? No. It you wasn't. Really care. It wasn't synced up with what was going on no, on the no. screen. Yeah, and and you know, and this is a movie. I, because of the cancellation, I watched this damn thing three times yeah, after this, too. and it's just like it never resonated with no, what was going no, on. No. And then, but I mean, he arrests the guy after the actual bank robber was arrested. Just a terrible inspector. Yeah, well, he doesn't know. I guess there's there's no Google or there's no uh, Google yeah. Alert. Talk, talk to some talk talk to the locals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, we, there were plenty of serial killers in the seventies that were yeah. let off because states couldn't interact with yeah, each other. T- Ted Bundy, yeah. I mean, did his, did his oh yeah, his yeah. best work. Uh, yeah, because the states wouldn't yeah. cooperate with each other, and that's yeah. in the seventies, little yeah. in the eighteen hundreds, right? But um, yeah, so he gets uh, he gets released. He realizes the international dateline. <laughs> Could they have figured that out a little sooner right. and made this less of a? <laughs> Fog is a very very intelligent man. Yeah, who's all about punctuality. How does he, and he he's he's got every minute right. Uh, accounted for and how does he not know this right. before the trip even starts right. how does he not know that it's going to be the extra day yeah, how does he not know right. it makes no sense yeah zero it's, sense it's a major 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 puff law yeah. yeah that was just oh my god what do we do now and, and press part two is the one that that lets him know I mean it's yeah. just like a joke like, because yeah yeah. So. there's no way that that guy isn't uh, they find doesn't find some some beautiful British lady right. and gets distracted and never tells him that right. that he's uh, actually on time. Right. And then, then and the one guy says, oh, Fogg's the most punctual man alive as he walks yeah, exactly. in. Exactly. His whole reputation right. in the movie is based on the fact that he knows we're, he's punctual, he knows every second of every right. day, and he doesn't know this. It makes absolutely zero sense. Zero sense. Yeah, I gotta ask too, has, does this movie set the, uh, the BPC mark for lack of chemistry between leads? Oh my god! Uh, yes. I mean, the male female chemistry in this could it could it have been less? I mean, uh, does, did he have to be so British? <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. Right? I mean, there it's was just, there was nothing there. No. Uh, Niven and McLean, just nothing there. No. Yeah, no, there was more chemistry between between Cantafloss and Shirley MacLaine. I, I honestly, thought. I like them together. I yeah. thought they were charming until the very end when when Fog and and the princess kind of. I guess get together, get married. I have I have no idea that there's any sort of attraction right. or any 
it just seems like he just feels obligated to have her along. Right. Because her cousin went to Denmark, mm-hmm. right? There's no se- tension at all. Right? None. There's, no. No sexual tension, no plot tension. There's nope. an extreme lack of tension in this yeah. whole movie. Uh, and and <laughs> as we talk about tension and ticking clocks, and he walks in with, I think, like 13 seconds yeah. to go. Is his, it, it is kind of, I did get a kick of this whole last scene here, just how abruptly the thing ends. And, and just the, the fact that the four of them, like, literally counting down the seconds like they've been waiting here this whole time like all right 13 seconds left We're, the, the bet's not over yet and he walks in with like with like two seconds to go like, they're oh, like god the, 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 don't, damn it i don't want to forget the scene when he's walk. he's trying to get there quickly and there's the uh, some sort of religious yeah the bible you know, belter right, yeah. thing and she won't i mean at what point do you not like bitch fuck you like i'm out of here i gotta go that was probably the only part of the movie where i felt any like like tension frustration get out kieran Kieran. that's the only part where i was emotionally involved i'm like get the fucking that chick out of here like get away from me you asshole like i'm busy i got got millions of dollars at stake you're three hours into this thing all right you need to get out of here clear the alley that's the Biggest uh, tension in the entire right. movie. The closing lines of the movie, and that I, I dug that whole thing. The whole like, there can't be a woman in yeah. here. What the the British Empire ends, and then like, Prescott two pops through a curtain, and then they're just like, it has ended, and the movie ends. It's like a very yeah. like Monty Python yeah. ending it to the. It was very. Yeah. Uh, I found it to be very. Honestly, odd. I thought it was yeah. funny. I thought it was just like I got a kick out of it. And also anticlimactic. I mean, Jesus, how? Yeah. How, not not. not not only do we not feel the urgency and and the rest of the movie, but we there's it it kind of falls on its face at the very end. Right. It's like oh, there's yeah. a woman here. Oh oh, nope. and it is it has ended. You know, it's very it's very Monty Python and the closing credits, the animated closing credits, longest closing Fantastic. credits of the time ever. Yep, showed you where yeah. everyone put. Chris shut the movie off by then. Oh fuck it, I was done, baby. <laughs> so you didn't listen to the exit music no. after the credits, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was yeah, like, but, "It's over! I'm getting off, baby." It's showing where all the cameos came in in each spot, yep. and then yeah, and I did watch some yeah. of it. And I was yeah. like, "All right, that's enough. I've seen enough." <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that. So that's that's uh, that's the movie there, folks. That is um, the movie. I guess we're gonna get into the awards now, yeah, here, right? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. do it. MVP. Let's not uh, waste any time here. Who's the most valuable player of this movie, Joey? Why don't you go? I think there's a clear uh, Lionel Linden, the director of photography. Wow, you're going with Lionel Linden. You're go- you're going my way, ties. Yeah, I I thought that I was really impressed. Um, even times I was bored because of how things were dragging, I was like, ah, this looks fucking awesome though. And that was something that I never lost. And I think it was like we talked about it. It was big. It was small. It was cool shots behind people. That was that's my MVP. Cool, Chris. Okay, so I have a uh, no, uh, honorable mention. Okay, the intermission. My MVP. <laughs> Here you go. It gave you, gave uh, you but break. I also had uh, a Lionel Linden. So uh, wow, both of you guys went visually. That was the best part of the movie. Yeah, That's what 100%. kept me in it for, for the most part. I, I also press Contemplas is also up there. I mean, he really yeah. he, he really was the MVP. But but the cinematography was the best part of the movie. So I, I gave. It I agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going with the um, the chalk Hollywood answer here. Uh, I'm going with Michael Todd, the producer. His vision, his project, uh, putting everything together here, putting everyone uh, in place. This was, you know, we haven't really talked about the director at all, Michael Anderson, um, because the original director was basically fired because he wasn't, uh, <laughs> that's John Farrow, who ended up, did end up getting writing credit and in turn won an Oscar with, with the screenplay. But um, Farrow was fired because he wasn't like, 
sharing right. the vision with what Todd wanted. I think Todd was basically had his hands on every single portion of this. He set the whole thing up. He lined the whole thing up. This was his baby. This was his project. Him inventing the idea of the cameo, literally calling it a cameo. To me, he put this thing together. He made it the biggest thing going on in 1956. And it was immortalized there. Uh, he also married uh, Elizabeth Taylor that year. Oh, good year um, for him. So well, a big year for which that. Which number was he? Husband? He was number three. He was three. Yeah, he was three. That's yeah, wild. He was three. And, um, and she was uh, three for him, too. So, oh, wow. Um, okay. they get, and she had what, like seven total? Seven total, yeah. Um, How do so I know that? They, I don't know. They they all, like, so uh, they had, I believe they got married in March of, of uh, 57 and or 56 and had a kid in August. So I guess that was, you know, one of those uh, a shotgun Hollywood deal, a big deal there. With that, so he wins uh, certainly the you know the pinnacle there with him winning best picture, marrying um, marrying Elizabeth Taylor. And we talked about the the playbills that they had in the theater, and at the the last page of the playbill, and everyone ended up. It said, "What's next?" And his next big project is he's going to do something very similar to this, where he has um, all of these actors, and he's going to do Don Quixote, he'll do this massive production of Don Quixote. It's going to be even bigger and even better than Around the World in Eighty Days. Very sadly, um, later uh, the following year, him and Elizabeth Taylor are uh, supposed to go on a trip down to Mexico. Elizabeth Taylor gets very sick, fever, can't go. He takes his autobiographer with him into his plane. Um, plane takes off and crashes in New Mexico, and he dies. And that Don Quixote project never uh, went into into play there. So um, a tough ending there for um, a big personality and a big project there, uh, Michael Todd. Yeah, but so it, it, it immortalized here with this with this one yeah. that was winning Best Picture and, and all that looking back. So that that's does my that, MVP does, there. Do you think, does that go into it winning? All that's happened Best after he'd won. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was, won. yeah, this is oh, a year okay. later. Yeah, so yeah. this is this wins in 57. He think passes away later that year. Okay. That's yeah. So yeah. So he was there to get his Oscar and, and that whole deal there. It was the it was the uh, composer Victor Young who who got it posthumously. LVP Joey, I think you've already kind of showed your hand a bit. Yeah, here I mean, it's one. Inspector Fix, <laughs> a clown, <laughs> just useless. I mean, it's hard to hard to argue that. Yeah, U- useless. The whole. St- I, I don't know if it's it's. I have a hard time giving the LVP to an actor unless they're really awful. I don't. I don't. I. I oftentimes think it's not the actor; it's the writing. Or, or I agree, but I just play, you gotta else. play the game with the LVP. Yeah, but yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's a worthless character. Yeah. Yeah, did a, did a better job as Bill Sykes. So I'll tell, yeah. tell you that, Chris LVP. The running time. There it is. It's the LVP for me. That was my yeah. honorable mention. And I figured Joey was going to think about that too with the editing and, yeah. and, the, and this and that. I wrote Timekeeper yeah. as my but second don't, LVP. Don't don't blame the editing room. I think it looks because I think I think. The way it's edited and the way it's shot looks great. So I don't think it's them. I just yeah. think it was a bad decision. Yeah. And I think they were on a short leash, I'm sure, with, yeah, with, yeah. with Michael Todd and what he, how he wanted. Because he wanted this to be a Broadway-style production. He probably wa- This movie probably could have been shorter and he probably pushed to make it longer because he wanted that experience at the time. It's also, it doesn't that, age well. That's right. I mean, it's also... He wanted a certain feel. He wanted a Broadway feel. Yeah. There's a, if there's an intermission, you can do a three-hour movie and people don't get, like, tired because they have a break. Right. But we're, we're not getting the break, you know, unless we, you know, do it ourselves. So it's, yeah. like, it's like, Jesus, I'm, I'm halfway through this movie. You know? <laughs> Just too long. Sorry. Yeah. Unnecessarily too long. I, that, to be exactly. more specific. 
Yeah, my LVP is going to be the director, Michael Anderson. I, I think this movie suffers from a lack of direction, yeah. and I think it might it might not totally be his fault because maybe you know, uh, you know, maybe even though I gave him the MVP with Michael Todd, I think there were some with him being so and yeah, probably yeah. a little overbearing, and and yeah. Michael Anderson may not have had hands on, but you know him. I'm getting a nomination for director. Uh, that's a little tough for me. I, I I just don't know about that. I I think this movie suffers from a lack of direction, and I think things like the the tension that we talked yeah, about, the stakes, yeah, the stakes, yeah. the heel being a little more venomous. I think that right. like a, a right. director can oh, hone yeah. in that performance better because it's not like the guy ain't, ain't a good actor, right. you know. Just the whole ticking clock thing. Everything. I think a director's vision, a, a sharper director could have gotten more out of it and uh, it's maybe the only time ever that the producer's the MVP and the director's the LVP somewhere David O. Selznick is, is wah, 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 laughing out right. there that's his dream but yeah that's why I went to win producer, MVP, director, oh, yeah. LVP Kieran honestly it's a good argument and like it's it's a logical yeah, for uh, sure. cho- choice like every movie no matter, it doesn't have to be mortal danger but it has there's something has to be you have to stake. feel something there has to be yeah. some sort of you know, if this doesn't go this certain way, it's going to be really bad. And it just this movie doesn't have any of that. It's very, it's very emotionless. Yeah, it really yeah. is. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and yeah. and when well and when that's the biggest glaring problem, and I don't have any point of blame, it's got to go on the director. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good call. Participation award, Joey. Who are you tossing the old participation trophy to? So I went in just cameos in general, the invention of cameos, because I think, like yeah. we said earlier, they're fun if done right. So I think just that's an important. Legacy of this movie. Cool, and mine is a very specific cameo. It led the trailer. It was one of the one of the big images of this movie, and it's Frankie Blue Eyes. Frank yeah, Sinatra gets my participation. A guy didn't even have to open his mouth, and he's all over. He's at the trailer. I love it. Yeah, just spun yeah. around, looked at the camera, and left such a lasting impression. So um, that's that's where I went with Chris. Uh, the ostrich. The ostrich. Ah, Tied to the rickshaw. I love it. <laughs> fucking awesome. It, it, it got me. I was, he was my favorite character in the movie almost. Like, yeah. it was, it was I fantastic. love it. That's great. Time Machine recast here, and it is a it is a time machine affair here with Jules Byrne. Uh, who are we putting into what spot? Does anyone want to go first here? Feel, I'll go feel first. Like, Chris, you're doing it. I'm going to do Phileas Fogg. Okay, you're, you're, you're recasting the lead. I am. Uh, I, I, did, I think he did a fine job, but... I, he did a good job. David Niven. Just too British. Too British. <laughs> a little too British for you. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with somebody who's not British, so would have to do the accent. But I pictured he he wasn't for a guy that's this uh, uh, taking on this this amazing task and seems very charismatic and he's got all this money and he's he's really somebody he's trying to do something magical. Cameron, it was too stiff, a little too stiff. So I went with uh, I went with Willy Wonka. I went with uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder as Phileas Fogg. I, Interesting. Would have been a, a lot more like, like give it give more of a magical performance, kind of a little mm. bit more like mystery to it, and and a little more, you know. Interesting. Putting an American in the role. Yeah. Put an American in the role. He, he, he'd probably have to do an accent, which is hey, we, we made Americans Indians right. in this, so I think <laughs> yeah. there's no problem doing. We, we, we made Americans <laughs> Indians. Do you yeah, have to yeah, make right. Passaparte more serious then? No, I, I actually no, I don't. Think so. I think they could play off each other okay. really yeah. well. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I thought about it. Like I thought they'd be a funny combination together. It'd be uh, a lot more fun. Be, he'd be a little more quirky and a little more like odd, right? Which I thought would be. I mean, a guy like that would be eccentric. Yeah, interesting. It would be a bit like Willy Wonka, but like yeah. not that much. You know? Hey, I love Gene Wilder. Anytime yeah. you get him in one of these, I it's... think he could have been really awesome. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. a new time machine, but uh, love it. Uh, yeah, that's great, um, Joey. I know you're excited about yours. Yeah, so I have one guy, and I. Put him in two places. 
differently. Okay. So one is Fix. Ron Moody. Ron oh, Moody. Yeah. So you stayed in the Oliver universe. So now my second... <laughs> play, this, this I love the, it. This is the first place I put him. So I did some math. This takes place 24 years after Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver! So... <laughs> so Fagin and the Artful Dodger take off at the end of Oliver. <laughs> they strike it fucking rich. He turns on the Artful Dodger and takes all the money. This is 24 years later. Where's Fagin? He's one of the four guys making the bet at the table. Wow. Same character, same okay. world. Cool. Wow, okay. So you've written in the uh, the character into it also. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. So you have you have Fagin, we have Ron Moody playing Fix. Fix. And, and then you have Fagin as a character, character. inserted into the movie. Yes, Interesting. All right. Cool. Really running with it. Okay, so mine I'm gonna um I'm gonna tidy up this Shirley McLean situation here. Oh, oh good call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm that, going that, going that you're route. Like Elizabeth Taylor. Um, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to put the lovely Freda Pinto oh. into that role as the Indian princess. Beautiful. Kind of new Europe. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a little bit of a chalk move there, but um, yeah. you know, that but that's some you know someone's oh, got to step in and, and clean that up. So that's fully that's fully behind. Great, great job. There. Okay, so uh, before we do the one to fives and figure this thing out in the BPC calculator, we are going to talk about recommends. If you liked Around the World in 80 Days, if you didn't like Around the World in 80 Days, this is whatever it is. This is where we think you should go next. So, um, Joey, I think you were very excited about this one you said here. Yeah, so it was something I wanted to add for Chris's list. It's one of my favorite travel movies. Okay. It's one of my favorite time travel movies. I think it's an amazing movie, and it is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Dude, Love are it. you kidding me? Same, Chris? Wow, <laughs> two weeks in a row... Two weeks in a row where people You're have fucking picked, serious? picked the same recommends. One of, I think, I think the second best time travel movie of yeah, all time. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, okay, this is the I'll, second I'll go Bogus Journey then, because I love that movie too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. That's a fantastic almost movie. Almost exactly too. the same. Is it like the first one? Yeah. That's, that's. Oh, Joey. Wow. Damn, man. This is the problem with having me and Chris on. We're on the same page Yeah, we a do lot. That. We've done that yeah. before too. I yeah. love it. And this is the second week in a row because of the Ben-Hur episode, Grant and, and Adam had the same recommend too. That's good. It's awesome. fantastic. We nailed it. I love here, it. what's your what's All your right, sure. So uh, I did not go the travel route here. Uh, I went with the um, jam a lot of stars into, uh, and convince a lot of people to be in a movie here to, yeah. to make this happen. I went with the cameo route. And this is a, a star-studded event here. It's uh, got a lot of um, Oscar-relevant people. I thought is, you were going to say a star is born for a second. Uh, no. I was like, no, do that. You cannot. You're like, why? why? I would have applauded it. Uh, many Oscar-relevant uh, actors in here. You have uh, Emma Stone in the mix. You have um, Greg Kinnear in the mix. We have Kate Winslet, Hugh Jackman. Um, many, many fine actors and actresses. It's considered, the movie is considered the Citizen Kane of horrible movies. Oh, okay. And this is, is... I know what it is. 2013's oh, yeah. Movie yeah. 43. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman uh, with balls uh, on his face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dude. A disastrous movie. Yeah. Well, um, no, I mean, I don't... Is it disastrous? I mean, oh, it's such a great way. out exactly yeah. what it's... In, in, in such a great right. way. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Richard Gere... Dennis Quaid, Liev Schreiber, Chris uh, Pratt, Will Sasso, Common, yeah. Seth MacFarlane. Wait, wait, so Karen, so Karen, you based it solely on the cameos? Yeah, and 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 this movie, it took years to put together because they had to get all of these people to agree to do it, it's and none of them of knew. Of it's basically a bunch of sketches. I it's mean, a bunch of sketches, which yeah. is kind of what 
around the world in 80 days. Let's be honest. It's a bunch of sketches tied into a big movie. Convincing all these people to come into this, convincing Hugh Jackman and balls in his chin. Kate was it? None of them quite knew what they were right. filming. Yeah, Richard yeah, Gere yeah. would only film it if they like if they came to basically his office and filmed around him. I gotta watch that one again. Um, man. It's, it's been a while. it is honestly. Seen, I saw in theaters. I, I remember the uh, the robot that like people kept putting like having tried to have yeah. sex with. And yeah, would... it's it's a horrible <laughs> movie, but it's just you can't look away. Yeah. it's so fun and it's like fun. cringy and great. Yeah, but, yeah. Awesome. Movie forty three, check it out. It, I, and I, you know, of all the movies that I thought would get recommended, I, yeah, I, I it is. Holly Berry in there yeah. too. Get, talk about a movie with a lot of stakes. There's a lot of stakes <laughs> in every sketch. <laughs> uh, Johnny Knoxville, I believe. So, but and, and you know what? It's one of those movies where the second, right before you you can turn it off, it moves somewhere yeah. else. And you go, oh, what's yeah. this? What's that? Yeah. It never lets you quite turn it off. So. It's like it's like a comedic black mirror. You never know exactly where, yeah. where it's going until like it's over. <laughs> so that's right. And uh, and both of you guys picked Bill and Ted. Well, what else do you want to say about Bill and Ted? We kind of both just lingered on the fact that both uh, you picked that, it. That may deserve its own episode I at agree. some point. Yeah, Chris, you didn't get to talk about it. Was it? It's, it's your recommend too. So. George Carlin right. is my mm. my favorite comedian of all time. He comes I, up every I, time we're on this. I love <laughs> I love yeah seeing him on screen. He wasn't a big movie c- comedian. He wasn't a comedic ac- uh, actor really. He was in. A lot of Kevin Smith yeah. stuff and, Dogma. And, and this, yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, it, it, it's what a f- ridiculous premise, but it just works. It's it, it works in kind of like a, a, a Back to the Future. It just in that time period, it just it just worked in that in that eighties time period. Yeah. It was it made perfect sense. And there's bands named San Dimas High School. Yeah, like it's yeah great. time traveling in there too. The time yeah. traveling. Oh yeah, trip. for sure. Love it. That well, that's kind of why I, I picked too. it too. Yeah. Great too. stuff. Fantastic. So we have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Times 2. We have Movie 43. <laughs> there are your recommends if you liked or didn't like or just watched around the world. Just watch Bill and Ted's if you haven't seen Bill and Ted's somehow. Let's talk so one to fives here. Okay, the uh, three categories are um, performances. Uh, that's section one. Section two would be um, how the movie shot, how it's presented to the audience. And uh, the third would be themes and story and how it's, uh, how it's conveyed. So uh, we'll start with performances. Anyone like to go first? Joe? Um, performance, I went two. You went with the two. Yeah, I, you know, I think people did their roles. There was a lot of cameos. It was good, but I don't think there was any spectacular acting in it where... So I feel like, uh, you know, Pesce Part Two was one, probably my favorite performance. Um, but, you know, I think there was also a lot of, com- you know, a lot of cameos. I think Phileas Fogg was, you know, I think he was good, but he was fine. So I, I, I think comfortable with the two. Yeah, I also went with the two. I... I... Think there wasn't a real performance of any kind of substance in this. Yeah. You know, I guess um, Content Floss as Presper Two is probably the the closest to something that was r- really super enjoyable on there. I wouldn't feel comfortable enough giving a cast of this magnitude a one. That, that was my so I, I couldn't give it a one because of that. You know, when you have this many notable people, Buster Keaton and Frank Sinatra and Peter Lorre, I'm gonna give him a one. Like, give me right. break. So, uh, so, I, I, but at the same time, is I don't. You know, when I'm moving to three, there has to be something that I can hold on to that I could say this this is something that you could reward, and it's not there. So it was a two for me on there. Okay, I'm gonna go with a three, mm-hmm. and this is my reasoning, and it's uh, Cantafloss is is the reason solely. Cool. The other because prefer- I don't think the other performances are bad. I think they're fine mostly, besides your guy fix, uh, fix. and Shirley MacLaine. That's not her fault, you right. know. So I'm not right. gonna blame that on her. Bob Newton uh, is who uh, uh, fixes. Thank you. As far as Kazaplas goes, I think that he held the movie together almost single-handedly. Without his performance, 
it's a, it's a snooze fest, and it's 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 a bad movie without him. He gives the most life to the the the, the most life the movie has besides the way it's shot is his performance, and without he's almost single handedly doing it. Sure. So I think that performance oh. is is really well done. So that brings it up there for me. Everybody else's performance is fine. His is is really good, especially if you consider that he was dubbed he was dubbed out. Like uh, that's pretty. It's that means a lot yeah. of he, a lot of what he did he did with his physicality and and uh, just his face and and how he portrayed the character. So yeah, I mean, he listen, was a very important part of the movie. Yeah. Wealthiest actor in the world at the time, and he didn't have to do this. You know, right. he took a chance. He could have embarrassed himself if, if he hadn't have done it. It would have been a disaster. Like yes. a, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Cool. Okay, so how the movie shot, how it's presented uh, visually to the audience. Uh, Chris, you want to uh, roll right into yeah, it? Yeah, I'm going to go with a four uh, on the on the uh, the way it's shot and how it looks. It's mm-hmm. it's it's up there. I mean, that that's the best part of the movie. I mean, that, that that's the strongest part of the movie for sure. The, the shot. There's a lot of sprawling shots. There's crane shots. There's there's a lot of things they're doing that. I'm sure they, you know, other movies do, but they made it feel huge. They made it feel yeah. like a giant production, and I think that you can only do that with how it's shot. If if it's if 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 somebody shoots it in a in a way that makes it feel small, the movie dies. So, um, and it's beautiful to watch. It really is, it looks great, you know. So I gave it a solid four there. Yeah. Okay, Joe. I want five. I, I really love the way it was shot. I thought. Really, everything Chris said, but I just think it blew me away a lot of times. Where, and I think the way it was able to to kind of move and, um, kind of give you different points of view really impressed me. So I went five. All right. So this was a tough one for me. I think based on a lot of a lot of our previous episodes and some of the scores I've given out, I would think that the listener may be expecting me to go five here. And I'm sorry if I might be contradicting myself in that way, but there there is a process to us with this podcast too, and we do kind of learn from what what we're doing, and um, and maybe I need to look back on some of the other things. But I am going to not give this a five. I'm going to give this a four as well, Chris. And here's why I'm not going. I mean, you guys have said everything about the the positives here. I I don't need to add anything to that. I think that's that's well put. Why did it not get a five for me? I think that it's one thing to go out and shoot a bunch of great footage with some, some newer technology that you have at the time and, and um, to go in these 170 different locations and to put everything you have into it. But you still have to make a movie. And you still have to... It's, it's, it's not just how it's shot, as we say. It's how it's shot and how it's presented to the audience. And I think there's something lost in the presentation as it pertains to the story of this movie. We talked about the lack of attention and all that, and a little bit of that goes in with the acting and this. But a part of, a big part of it is the presentation, how it's shot. And I think when we're bouncing in between um, studio lot set scenes and grandiose shots, there's, there's a, it doesn't quite sync up for some reason to me. And, and the story isn't, the story isn't told well enough through the cameras for it to get the five out of five for me. Um, where it's something like a, something like a Lawrence of Arabia where they are just out there in the desert and they're using the cameras to really camera home what they want to show you. Um, so I, I thought something was missing here and I don't know if I can fully articulate it, but there was a gap between what they were showing you and what you were fully receiving as a viewer in 2021. I'm sure in 56, it would have been a slam down five for everybody. Uh, 
I agree with you completely. And also, like, if you look at a movie like uh, a recent winner, Nomadland, there's a lot of that movie that there's nothing, there's nothing being said or not mm-hmm. limited acting going on. But they mm-hmm. tell they're telling you a story based on just pure visuals. Sure. Yeah, and that this movie kind of needed that mm-hmm. in order to succeed. And, and again, maybe we're a more sophisticated audience in 2021, or maybe maybe we're not. I don't know. But it doesn't feel that way. This movie doesn't feel like that. And, it, yeah. and this is a comedy, so I, it's not supposed to feel serious. But right. you can tell a story just without with with just visuals, and it didn't do a good job of that. It does look great, though. Yeah, and I because you like it's a four. I mean, a four is a good right. Score. Yo, it, it's, it's definitely a, right. it's an yeah. achievement. It's an achievement in, in visuals. Yeah. There's no sure. no doubt about sure. that. We did get a couple a couple Twitter questions here that I wanted to. And this one just pertains specifically to this, so I just want to throw this one out here before we get to the last part and the story itself told. It's Zeta Short, and she, she says, "Why is every one scene in Around the World in Eighty Days about twice as long as it needs to be?" Uh, no fucking <laughs> kidding, Zeta. <laughs> <you, Zeta. laughs> Yeah, we agree. Uh, we agree. <laughs> yeah, and and there was a response here to her question, and it, there is some technicalities to this too, which I was not able to deliver before. That's why I wanted to put this in the section, so you know maybe someone uh, uh, listening to this can can hear from there. But um, this is uh, at Eno underscore Erif, E N O underscore E R I F, um, and she usually retweets a lot of her stuff, so we want to thank her. Uh, for that, and she, her response was the uh, the 1956 version of Around the World in 80 Days exists primarily as an advertisement of the Todd hyphen AO format, demonstrating its 24 fs setting compared favorably to Cinescope when run through a 35 millimeter projector. Scenes run long to immerse viewers in the detailed picture clarity. The clarity of the uh, the Todd AO 30 fs that is. The faster the frame rate, the closer the projection comes to looking like a 3D object. The curved screen used for the Todd AO 30FS surrounded the audience, so they had to turn their heads to see the entire picture, thus the long okay, scene. That, so it's, yeah, it's I, kind I, of okay, yeah, like that. a panorama. Right. So it was built yeah, to be yeah. seen in a theater. Yes, yeah. And, and okay. yeah. so it was. What, does that explain the length of the scene, though? Because there's so much to see that you need so more much to time. see. You, you want to, to take Yeah, it you're in. turning okay. your head and picking yeah, up right on that. So, okay, we, yeah, we uh, definitely want to, want to thank. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Like, that makes more sense, at least. Yeah, definitely want to thank you. It doesn't translate to TV. And it doesn't translate to 2021. We don't need that. We have our technology so far. Right. I want to throw out a movie that I personally haven't seen, but maybe 40 years from now, we might be saying the same thing. How about a movie like Avatar, yeah. where it was so visually impressive in theaters, it was built for theaters. Right. And I mean, I remember, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to go see it at the time, but I everyone did. saying it, we're like, you have to see Listen, it, you have to experience I it. I saw it in IMAX in the middle of the theater. When I left, I was like, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. And the next day, I was like... No, that just looked really yeah, awesome. I, I just said I was just gonna say I did not feel that way. <laughs> I, you I know, did just not the visuals blew my it mind. Great, but... So when I was in it, so and I remember waking up the next day and I texted my friends who I was like, that wasn't good. It just looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. It did. yeah. Uh, a, a movie that I think is a modern movie that what she explained kind of makes sense is uh, Hateful Eight. Mm. It was uh, it was done in what eight millimeter. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, that stuff's a little lost. Okay, to me, so. I, it's lost on me too, so yeah. I apologize if I'm getting that wrong. It was done in old, in older uh, right. format, and it's very big. And there is a lot of long, you know, Tarantino does that too. A lot of long shots of them like parading through the snow with the horses, right. and and that could be perceived as long, but it it does look amazing. 
and it's it's a lot to see in the scene. So like you were kind of you are moving your head back and forth. So I I kind of can see what she's saying, and that make does make sense to me. Yeah, uh, it still doesn't lend itself to the story in my opinion. It's it's yeah you know. yeah. And and years later when you're not watching the theater, it's it's tough. just yeah. It's a little yeah. Tough. Um, okay, so finally we go to the story how it's told themes. Okay, if I have to go first, I mean I, it's a two. It's a it's kind of a two. It's, I was gonna say it's a generous too. It, no, it's 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 decent, but it's it's just we well we've beaten this horse pretty good. Yeah. Like it's not told well. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it just I don't care about what happens to the characters. Really, don't care. Yeah. You know, so it's a two for me. Yeah. Joke two. Yeah. Nothing else to add. Yeah, I haven't done this a whole lot, guys. Um, oh. and it's happening right now, unfortunately. <laughs> This is a one for me. Um, yeah, I almost gave it a one. I'll it's getting a one. Uh, like Chris said, it a generous two. Yeah, yeah. and it's okay. It's 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 okay to do that. But yeah, I just um, outside of uh, outside of cautionary tale of uh, of degenerate gambling, I didn't really see any real themes here. I'm sorry. Like it no, would just I, I had uh, overcoming uh, odds. And, uh, okay. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm, I'm being I'm punctuality. Being uh, I mean, like uh, I appreciate punctuality, so that's why I gave sh- it to. Do we need a three-hour movie? Uh, appreciating <laughs> other cultures and stuff. I think that was part yeah. of it, I guess, too. So, like, I, I give. Yeah, and, well, I guess I give listen, it a two. For and that. you mentioned a couple things earlier, Chris. I'm like, all right, well, you know, that there's there's something there with it. But for me, is is just and it's boy, it's a little tough giving like a. Like a, a, a historical treasure, like a Jules Verne novel, something like. But but you know, I mean, did it's, did the did it's the, a shallow flick? Yeah, did the original material come through to right. the audience where they said, "Boy, I got to read this novel." I, at no point in this movie did was I interested in the in the source material at any point. Like I yeah. just sorry, just wasn't like shallow uh, flick. They didn't tell the story really well. Yeah, I think they concentrated too much on the look of it and yeah. not the not spectacle and not the story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which will be interesting how that translates when we talk about uh, Titanic, because yeah. I think that's a knock on Titanic often too. It's it's, it's you know it's maybe the screenplay and maybe the story didn't come across great. I don't necessarily feel that way, right. but I haven't revisited it yet. So I'm you know, on we'll your talk side. About that's that, a beautiful film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Titanic. I do too. I know, but we'll we'll uh, we'll save that for for next nice. time. All right. But um, yeah. So so for me, it was a two. Four one, Joe. Two five two, which is two five bizarre. two. Tricky, interesting one. And Chris, I did. What did I do? Two four two, uh, Chris. No, I did. No, I did not. I did a three four. You did the three. For Chris the was a three four two. Okay, very interesting. We covered everything. That's is it. that the first time we hit every button that a one two three four five was put out there? I think that the first time all the numbers yeah. were used. Very, very nice. So in a, in a, in terms of one to ninety two, and we've been getting a, a couple of we've getting some flack for this from some of our our loyal listeners. Here we were pretty obvious about we uh, the last two episodes we 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 yeah. did not do this segment. So where this fits in the one to ninety two scale here, Chris, what do you think here? It's gonna be around the middle somewhere. Uh, you know, maybe. Early fifties. Early fifties. You you kind of enjoyed this one. As, as I did a watch. like it. Yeah. I, I did. There was a lot of I, I did appreciate. It. I, I thought the humor. It was pretty funny, yeah. and I, you know that that was the main thing for me was like it. Again, not great with the the, the older movies, but this one did keep my attention. It was it's visually stunning in a lot of uh, sections, and the the comedy was pretty good. So yeah, like, I think it's like you know right in the middle somewhere. Yeah, you know? Joe. Uh, Late 50s, early 60s, probably closer to like 61, 62, I think I would say, right before the bottom third. 
He's mm-hmm. now right at 93, so I I would re- literally put it like the end of the middle third. Yeah, I'm not sticking to anything I'm saying because because also, you know, you there's a lot of more. movies left and there's right. a lot of yeah. movies I haven't seen. And yeah, this is a, change from the very start of this, this has always kind of been the shit yeah. the shit segment where it is, ah, yeah. I was just throwing against the wall. Yeah. Hoping but now we've seen 35. Yeah, so, so you can there is a get... reasonable, like, so I'm able to, that's why I'm breaking up into thirds. Like, I think this would be the end of the second third. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be, okay. from what I've seen, it's going to be on the, I mean, Listen, it'll be a couple. It'll, it'll beat a couple of dogs mm-hmm. for me, like yeah. you know, Broadway melodies. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I mean, I, I'll, I'll bury that in the fucking basement if I can. You know, like. I know. If Artie ever watches that, I wonder what he'll. Think I, I, if, if I could, if I could internal uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind myself, <laughs> I might do it just for <laughs> Broadway, melody. Broadway melody. I enjoyed Broadway melody. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's a terrible movie. So yeah, for me, one to ninety-two. I gotta be honest, guys. This is gonna be in the um, the bottom scrum for me. Really? In that yeah, that back battle royal of if we're doing a twenty-man battle we royal, the, the bottom twenty. It's gonna it's wow. gonna be somewhere in the seventies or eighties. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and you know we we mentioned that we did not do the one to ninety-two for for Ben Hur and Ben Hur. I kind of really feel is like a middle movie. Like yeah. I think that's gonna right there. But Ben Hur is going to break a lot of ties with that chariot scene alone. Yes, just the spectacle was. Around the world in eight days is going to break some ties with how important and how big of a spectacle it was for people who viewed it in 1956. That's going to break some ties with a movie like A Chariot of Fire, who which you know no, what, what what's going on here. Um, so I I I I hope that this movie will climb up. We'll we'll you know get in the air balloon and and move up the the rankings a little bit here. But I gotta be honest. I, I we've covered a bunch of movies here. Joey said thirty five. Is this this is episode thirty five for us here, um, or thirty six around maybe. the mix? Yeah, episode thirty six. Yeah, it's thirty six. Sorry. Yeah, episode thirty six. Um, this is probably one of the movies I'm least likely to revisit. I'll never watch this again. Yeah, well, there you go. Oh I mean, I watched it. I watched spent nine hours within the last two weeks. <laughs> this is cringing. Never. Like, no, I'm not watching. Never. Nine hours. Um, yeah, I I just. I'm good with this now. Like, I don't need to see it again. And Kieran, I saw Joey out in my backyard. He had a new DVD of it, and he was burning it out in the <laughs> I, I was like, what are you doing? Like, he's really pissed. He's like, he's why pissed. are you at my house? Yeah. Why, yeah, and it was three hours before the podcast. I, I didn't know what he was doing. You know, he but was I, ruining my lawn and everything. It was really a problem. I think most movies we've covered, I, I would I would see again. Or if they were on TCM, I'd sit down and watch again. I'm not saying if I'm flicking through on TCM, there's not, I'm not going to at least watch it for a little bit to be like, oh, here's the train scene or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just, this movie does not excite me. It does not interest me. I don't, um, you know, Chris, our, our friends, uh, Tom and Allie, yeah. uh, they're going through all the Best Picture winners. They have been oh. since, uh, yeah, since the early part of this year. They're trying to get them all in within the calendar year. And they're pretty tough. Like they, they, they're like oh, hated yes. it. You know, hated it on some of these movies. I'm like hate I actually it. think they hate me. Sometimes. You hated Gladiator. So, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they loved Around the World in Eighty really? Days. Yeah, which all I right. saw that post and I'm like, because he posts on Instagram a quick like two line review or whatever he sees. I'm like, wow. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit this one. I mean, maybe maybe there's something I missed. Um, you know, I love that they loved it. I do. I think they're getting a little squirrely from being uh, sequestered. <laughs> they're imagining getting in a hot. Lost their yeah, minds. they're getting imagining yeah. getting in a hot yeah. air balloon. Of their own. <laughs> um, yeah, I I just don't see it with this movie. I'm, I'm yeah. so, I just I'm not entertained by it. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. So it's going to be in that bottom scrum there. I mean, I'm going to say maybe, you know, a bottom twenty. Wow, bottom I, twenty. That's yeah. aggressive. Yeah. For, yeah. to me, but like uh, you, you might be right at the end of the day. Yeah, like I see. said, I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, as we always say, this is not a who should have won podcast, but we do like to cover the other nominees that were up that year. 
And uh, Joey, what do we have up here first? Up first is friendly persuasion. The pa- the pacifist attitude of a Quaker family is tested as a result as a result of the American Civil War, directed by William Wyler, starring Gary Cooper, Anthony Perkins, Dorothy McGuire. Um, I can comfortably say I have zero interest in this. <laughs> William Wyler, director of uh, of Ben Hur, we covered yeah. last week. Um, and uh, who also directs The Best Years of Our Lives, which won a recent little poll on, yeah, uh, which is on Twitter. So we're going to be doubling up on William Wyler here this uh, this season, which should be interesting. I'm very excited for all you guys to see uh, The Best Years of Our Lives. I'm excited um, for that one. That's one I've been, that's, that's been, uh, I've been eyeing that one for a while. Yeah, we had that, that post that went viral over on Twitter. Amazing. Yeah, went, went, went crazy. It was, was, uh, was up on um, movie, movie News. news. Was, <laughs> was awesome. trending. We were trending on Twitter, folks. Uh, great stuff, and thank you for all the new followers out there. We're up over a thousand now. It's great, great stuff on on Twitter there. Uh, but yeah, we 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 pulled out uh, eight movies that were most uh, most picked on that post, which we asked uh, what what are um, are movies you consider great best picture winners that kind of get undershot on Twitter or don't get the recognition they deserve, and and best years of our lives ended up being the the winner of that poll. So we're going to be doing an episode on that. Should be interesting. Friendly Persuasion, I don't see us doing an episode. Uh, on them, please, but, God, no. Um, I do say that, that... I will literally say yes to any episode except Friendly Persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And Anthony Perkins did get a supporting actor um, nod for that. I Anthony really Perkins like him. From Scream? Yeah. From, not Scream. From Psycho. <laughs> from Psycho. Uh, yeah, as we're moving toward uh, spooky season here. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to shout out the, the, the actor nominees that year. I do want to call up... Yul Brenner won for The King and I, who's also in Ten Commandments. But um, James Dean, Kirk Douglas, Lawrence Olivier, Rock Hudson. What a, what a squad there for it's, Best it's Actor. A posse. It's amazing. Posse indeed. Up next we have which one Best Director. And it uh, is a director who I have uh, shown interest in recently. I really want to tackle some more of his stuff there. I've already seen a, a Place in the Sun from him. And he's got some got some. Good stuff out there to check out. That's George Stevens. The movie is giant. It wins Best Director and only Best Director. It's the only uh, award it wins. And it's a sprawling epic covering the life of a Texas cattle rancher and his families and associates. That's starring Elizabeth Taylor. It's starring Rock Hudson and James Dean. Uh, a, a good cast. Dennis, a young Dennis Hopper in that yeah, one. Yeah, cool. Sal Mineo in the mix. Honestly, the cast is really good. Yeah, so uh, that is a movie I definitely want to check yeah, I'll out. I'll check that out. Um, I had planned to possibly try and watch it for this. This didn't work out. But I, I want to I wanna definitely look into some more George Stevens movies. He did Alice Adams in 1935, too. A really good director. I think The Greatest Story Ever Told he yeah. did, too, was his final movie. But I, I want to get a little more into his filmography, and this will be one that I check out, too. So, yeah, so that's that's giant. So, right. Joe, so what are you up next? The next we have is The King and I. A widow accepts a job as a living governess... Two, The King of Siam's Children, directed by Walter Lang, starring Yul Brenner, Deborah Kerr, Rita Moreno, Martin Brenson, Rex Thompson. So, I saw this as a kid a lot. I have a feeling my sister really liked it, and is why we watched it a lot. And seeing that it is two hours and thirteen minutes blows my mind. Because if you would have asked me, I would have said it was like four and a half hours. Wow. Yeah, I don't have good memories of it as a kid. And just, you're a musical guy. Music, you have the Gene Kelly. I, I am overflowing with the Gene <laughs> Kelly. And that movie, I literally have memories of, like, just, like torture to me. Um, I have not revisited it in a long time because of the negative memories. But, um, 
Yeah. yeah. Did not like it as a kid. Yeah, I mean, something I've only seen clips of, and it's just, you know, with, with musicals, I go one of two ways, and that kind of seems to be the other way. I don't know that one. That Fiddler on the Roof's another one that I'm not... Oh, uh, I don't yeah, like Fiddler that's on the Roof. A, you know, I don't oh my see God. myself getting drawn into that. I've tried to watch it. It just it doesn't work. Yeah. And finally, we have... This was a, a, a childhood favorite of mine. Right around when I was watching Back to the Future all the time, I was watching this. And that's The Ten Commandments. It's Cecil B. DeMille's uh, sprawling epic. And, of course, that is Moses, an Egyptian prince, learns of his true heritage as a Hebrew... It is divine mission as the deliverer of his people. We talked about this last week, starring Charlton Heston, uh, Yul Brenner in this one as well. Just, I mean, listen, man, it, it's it is an epic of epics. It was one of those as you know, we the the cassette tapes. You have two cassette two tapes. Two giant you cassette put tapes. Yep. Uh, Vincent Price in it. Yeah. I mean, come on, Vincent Price is awesome. Uh, Judith Anderson who uh, we love from Rebecca yeah, and the mix too. Yeah. Um, just uh, great stuff. Ann Baxter, uh, Edward Robinson, just, just, uh, I mean, a, a movie that was, was just, it was a cool, it was a cool one to watch when you're younger too. Cause you see the plagues yep. and the parting of the sea. Charlton Heston's a very big character. The parting of the sea is actually like a movie memory of mine that has really stuck with me from a kid because I remember, because I remember seeing that on like Easter. I remember yeah. What, oh, yeah. It was always on, it was yep. always on like channel four on mm-hmm. Easter night. So I was like, I remember getting home from my cousin's house and like that being on like TV and watching it. And the parting of the sea scene just has always stuck with me as like an all time scene for me. It's very formative for me for some reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, the firstborn, the creeping death, yeah. you know, taking the firstborn child, the, the lamb's blood on the door, <laughs> that stuff. We're just Listen, we're great I, I, stuff. Whether you're religious or not, whether you're into the Bible or any of that, it's really matter. relevant. It's a, it's a, it's a Cecil B. the Mill. You know, right. like, it's a and big. The reality one. is, if you're not religious, you could literally look at it as historical. Yeah, and yeah, it's a, it's it's a Cecil B. DeMille movie. And, and listen, the story of Moses is a great story. It's a great you story. know, whatever you wanted it's, to, um, them, them um, as, as slaves and building it's up. Amazing. And, and, yeah, great, great story. To, to limit this as a, if, if people don't watch this movie because they're not religious, they're just doing themselves a disservice to a really fantastic, epic movie. Yeah, and, um, you know, I hate to go as far as to say as this would have been my, my pick for picture, for best picture. That's a better movie. Yeah. I would have picked this, this for best picture. This is not picture. that. Haven't seen Giant. You know, maybe Giant. Uh, Giant was probably the runner up, runner up if it won for right. for best director. But um, I would have, I would have gone with Ten Commandments. Well, this, that's myself. not what this is. I 100 percent agree with you. Yeah. And the only reason I'm happy around the world one is because it leads to us being able to talk about Back to the Future in seven minutes. That's exactly right. But Ten Commandments is a better movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, we did it. Another best picture winner in the books around the world in 80 days. We're not done though. No. Unfortunately, listeners, you're going to be done for today. You're going to hear us again next time when we talk event. about, uh, yeah, a pretty big movie from 1985. Before we go, in closing thoughts on, oh, as we close the book on Around the World in 80 Days, we, we pull the, the lever and lower the balloon here. Uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like I have turned 80 while watching this movie. So, uh, you know, but I'll, I, there, there are a lot of good aspects of it. And I think it's worth a watch. You know? All right. So you didn't, you weren't gouging out your eyes. You weren't cursing my name as your, as, as uh, no, as, in mo- as at moments I was, but otherwise it was good. Yeah. yeah. Like Joe. Fun movie. That's done. That's it. It's done. It I, was, I think uh, it would have been better with Jackie Chan. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> you could have recast him. Uh, it was uh, it was quite a journey. We went from continent to continent. We uh, took a lot of roads around to get here. We're going to see you next time here for uh, Back to the Future. It's going to be Ooh. a lot of fun. And oh, uh, where we're going for that one, 
We don't need roads, gentlemen. We'll see you next time. We'll be nice and loose. I promise you that. <laughs> well, you gotta spread the